Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Britton. Well, We've all gathered here today to lay to rest a film that came and went very quickly. I don't know. Are people still talking about this? Yeah, probably. probably. I am. <laughs> because the MCU is dead, even though Guardians 3 just came out, and that's... But that's different because James Gunn is leaving, so it doesn't count. Right. It is something like that. I, I I think it is fairly emblematic of where my feelings are with the MCU right now. That in the same given year, one of its best, maybe its best movie came out, and maybe one of its worst. Wow. Yeah. Maybe the worst. <laughs> maybe the worst. <laughs> that's right. Doctor Strange and Iron Man Two. <laughs> Given given that I've had more extreme opinions about MCU movies in the past, I don't know why I'm holding back on this sure, one. <laughs> sure. yeah. swing, swing for the fences. Um, I didn't yeah. like it, okay? <laughs> yeah, it it has dropped for me uh, last time I watched it. I, th- I feel like after... I feel like we talked about it, maybe, on after uh, we had seen it on the podcast. And yeah. kind of just were like, eh, yeah. <laughs> We've sort of been um, agonizing over it because it does uh, have a prominent performance by Jonathan Majors, who's probably one of the better parts of the movie. Uh, and of course, there's the situation, which we'll, we'll probably talk about a little bit, but you know, not a whole lot there for us to get into or provide a valuable insight on. Um, so we've kind of been dreading it. And I think all of us, Britain, this is the first time you watched it. It was, yes, sir. Uh, of three times and over the weekend oh you just <laughs> had to make sure i know I was like wait 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 one more time uh <laughs> but yeah uh i think it sounds like for alex and i both it has it has fallen some from a not very high perch uh we'll see yeah where we land on this um what what movie is is that alex we watched and what and the wasp Quantum of Solace from 2023. It has a 47% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an 83% uh, audience <laughs> score. Excuse me? <laughs> I, I, I don't have the answers for you. I'm trying to see if it has a lower critic score than Eternals. Oh, come uh, on. I think it's tied with Eternals at 47. At least the, right. what I have recorded. Audience... I yeah. I need to send a note home with your parents. <laughs> well, it does. I feel like most big crowd pleasing blockbusters land pretty high. Sure. So I think that it, there is some some degree of like the curve on the audience score is not as yeah strong. Well, and, but, I, and I know that not because the the re, the letterbox is like two point six or something. Like yeah. I know that not everybody goes on Rotten Tomatoes. Again, it's a not very useful tool. But that that that's, that's surprisingly high. Well, also it's an aggregate. A lot of people right. could give it a three out of five and be like, "Oh, it's technically positive." Fair. That's fair. So, like, it could be, and I feel like I have to explain this every once in a while, just because people don't really know how to interpret Rotten Tomato scores. Um, like a whole bunch of people could give it very mediocre reviews. Like it could have on average like a three out of five sure. and have like a 90% critic score or audience score. Also a critic score, but that's in more, 
that's some weirder cases. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did I mention it was directed by by our favorite Peyton Reed? Uh-huh. Sure. Uh, visionary director Peyton Reed. Do we think this was him going? I'm I'm putting in a formal audition for Avengers, guys. I mean, do we think this me. was him? <laughs> I <laughs> I brought up this theory, I believe, with Wakanda Forever. Uh, where I was kind of wondering if all of these Phase Four movies were kind of a round of auditions for the next kind of face of the MCU creative creative team, director team. Um, I think. Uh, after this movie, I, I do know that uh, Jeff Lovness, is that is that his name? The writer, the main writer on yep. this, uh, was supposed to do King Dynasty, and then has has been dropped off that project after he did a lot of like publicity where he kind of was just like, no, I think it was fun. People don't like fun. <laughs> I think it was kind of a weird. It it was almost. I mean, in the same way that I think Disney's been doing a lot of like. Kathleen Kennedy, uh, Bob Chapek, like sort of. This is a Don figurehead Lennon, to stand up. Yeah, yeah, just like <laughs> pretty much, you just stand him up, and then you know you kind of you kind of drop him aside and say, "All right, that person's gone, so this problem's gone." Britain, we stopped doing the Bourne movies last week. Politics are out the window. We got to <laughs> talk about Tomatis. the quantum realm. <laughs> Um, well, uh, Michael Douglas did uh, drag uh, socialism into this, to be fair. So. Sure. <laughs> Sorry, Tyler, continue. Uh, he said a uh, lot about socialism. Uh, <laughs> it was a very... Uh, this movie just... It just has so much to say about our world and our society. Um, so yeah, Jeff, Jeff Loveness was kind of... It seemed like maybe he was set up to be a person that they could kind of sweep under the rug once he had made it very clear that he was tied to the creative decisions in this movie. Um, I said Kathleen Kennedy earlier. I meant, um, who was just recently pushed out of the Marvel. Vic- oh, uh, Victoria, Alonzo. Victoria Alonzo. Yeah. Um, that's what I meant. Kathleen Kennedy has not yet been used as a, uh, sacrificial figurehead, but we will see. Um, um just real quick. Cause the writer's strike is, is going on at the moment. Yes. So everything's kind of up in the air. They haven't officially said Loveness is not writing King Dynasty. That's just like an all but confirmed rumor. Okay. I thought that actually was like. I think somebody made a comment the and they and they didn't answer in the affirmative or or excuse me they didn't actively deny it. So sure. everyone's like, so it, it's true. Yeah. Um, which I think is not shocking. I don't. I think definitely watching it this time around for me the the script found. I found to be more weak <laughs> than it did, I did the first time around. The first time around, I was really focused on Peyton Reed's directing, but uh, it's not it's not great. Britton, tell us uh, a little bit about this not great movie. Sure. So, eh, oh, that's the wrong button. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I was trying to hit that monkey and win a million dollars. It's a joke from 2004. Um... In Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, the synopsis reads thus. Ant-Man and the Wasp, that's right, the Wasp is in it, not that you'd believe it by watching the movie, find themselves exploring the quantum realm, interacting with strange new creatures, and embarking on an adventure that pushes them beyond the limits of what they thought was possible. Eh. There's like a scene where there's a bunch of them. 
I don't really think otherwise it gets that kooky. Um, <laughs> so I I I want to preface my own sort of spiel's with about this movie that this movie did not make me angry, and I feel like I'm already sounding like a parent <laughs> um, when I talk about this. But this is a movie that. It is mostly flaws for me. It is mostly flaws and misfires and, and bad editing. But this is not, it doesn't even like a live free or die hard for me. This is not a like, oh my God, come on. It's like, yeah, it doesn't work, but okay. I've also only seen it once. I don't really have positive things to say about it because as I told you guys, I don't know what the thing about it is that I like. Because like even the the Marvel movies that I would put lower on the totem pole for me, there is something in them that I can go, oh, but I like Florence Pugh in Black Widow. Or I like um, the Screaming Goats in Love and Thunder or whatever. Like, there is something that I can go, there's an element, there's an Russell idea. Crow. Russell Crowe. Christian Bale. There's a performance. There's yeah. something there that I think it does really work. Um, and it, it's almost more a matter of, like, how much is the stuff that, do, do, how, how do those things sort of weigh against each other if anyone heard my recommendation for winter soldier last or recently it would suggest most of that sounds like i don't like that movie and i do um but it's 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 a weird sort of balancing act and i think this is a movie that mostly doesn't work the things that i did like are very minor like a line of dialogue or something um but this is not a movie that i like hate i'm not like coming for it i've also only seen it once who knows how i'd feel on a on a second go around Britain, real quick, did you mean to say live free or die hard? Or were you meaning to say a good day to die hard? I meant a good day to die hard. The Jai Courtney one. There we I go. always get those mixed up because neither of them need to be named that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just, I wanted to make no, sure that you. everyone was following along. Yeah, sorry. There will be a test. I meant the, I meant the Chernobyl vacation one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also Over did Jordan's? take notes for um, this movie. I did return. I got my. I took physical notes, so we are ready. I am ready I, to I think, speak. I, I do think it says something when all three of us took notes. Well, I kind of. I think I would have if I had watched it first. I watched this last. I think out of all of us, uh, and I started <clears throat> just kind of like throwing some th- some thoughts into the uh, our group message, but otherwise was uh, figuring that between the two of you, we probably had enough notes for everyone, but. There are many things that I think we can get into. Yeah. Um, I feel like it, it's a weird movie because it's so not cohesive. Yes. Uh, in any particular way. There, there's no like emotional through line that matches with the plot through line. There's no like the structure of the movie is weird. They're kind of split up for a little while and they just kind of come together for the third act yeah but they're together for like a good bit of the third act and then uh michelle pfeiffer gets separated like there, there's no to me there's not a good way to tackle this movie i mean the effects are a whole conversation the, the performances are a whole conversation um the humor modok <laughs> like it's that there is a like i keep forgetting about modok yeah like i I keep forgetting that Modoc is an active part of this movie. Yes, I'll be curious to see where we land on on this podcast length because I I feel like we could talk about it for three hours. It's uh, there is a lot, much like Ant Man when he's small. Uh, there's a lot to unpack. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know where we want to what what attack we want to start with. Can Can I start at a high level? Um. Because 
phase four, I have not been a huge fan of. They, like I like I said, it's been like it, it's been hitting both extremes. So there's stuff that I really like, like Eternals or Multiverse of Madness or Shang Chi to a lesser degree, but I still like that quite a bit. And then you've got Black Widow and Love and Thunder and this and some of the Disney Plus shows that I'm not super high on. Like, it, it, I don't seem to be getting like a healthy middle ground. Yeah. Um. But part of that is because they're doing a bunch of experimenting, which I do respect. Mm-hmm. They are trying different things. A lot of it is not super successful, but I get it. Um, this movie just seems so counterintuitive to me. Because um, if you try and look at the three Ant-Man movies as like a trilogy of sorts, and obviously you've got like Civil War and you've got the latter two Avengers movies in there. So it's it's not it's not an, a full-on trilogy in the traditional sense. But you look at the first two, and less so with the second one, but they have the veneer. They have the atmosphere of, we're like a comedy heist film. Yeah. And that is what we are doing. We are taking that approach for a superhero movie. And then you get to this film, and there's maybe one scene where it's kind of like that. Yeah. With with the, with the Scott multiplying, because he's trying to get the thing. But even that, that's not a heist scene. Right um like yeah and and all of his friends like michael pena is is gone like he's not even present yeah Uh, yeah right randall park is in a shot yeah right um but like they completely changed the aesthetic and the tone and basically try to turn ant-man into an avengers movie and that just seems so (laughs) counterintuitive and very ill-advised but even like the the way you get like thor ragnarok and civil war uh i feel like those are the two big examples maybe doctor strange probably kind of doctor strange multiverse of madness i mean to some extent um they they get that scope increase by including other characters we like like they, they it's like oh we got scarlet witch in this one we got uh you know the Hulk and Thor teaming up. We we've we've got all the Avengers fighting each other. Like they expand the scope by being a crossover. Right. And this feels like crossover level budget. Uh and and not there's no it's just it's the same cast and I think we quickly realize how much less interesting most of the characters in the Ant Man movies are than Paul Rudd uh cassie we've even kind of lost like i cassie i don't know there there's the whole thing which we've um talked a bit about where i think in past podcasts where they recast young cassie as an older cassie for avengers endgame because there was a time gap and then they recast that actress again um i do not remember the actress's name this current one is Catherine newton Catherine Newton, there we go. Um, sometimes I just like gesture at like something I'm talking about and let you one of you fill in the, <laughs> the blanks. It's very helpful to me because my brain just does not. I like I stick to the faces and I <laughs> the names are just gone. They're just white. We threw out their names. Um, <laughs> you know what? They are just white in this movie. <laughs> wiped, but that's oh. <laughs> <too>. <laughs> um. And I don't, I don't, I think that she is not served by the directing or the dialogue in this. Catherine is not in this movie. I would agree. Um, I don't think she's doing a lot to help herself, but I, I don't know that you 
could do True. much with this. Yeah. Ne- um, needless to say, I have a lot to say about the acting in this movie, yeah. but just my quick thing on her. She's a very interesting actor to me because I ha- the, the things I have seen her in are this and Detective Pikachu, but also Freaky and Halton Catch Fire. So like, and I think this is, and she's a young actor, so like I'm not, yeah. this is not someone who's been in the business for a billion years, but like really and truly, she's, she was fun and freaky. I don't remember her super clearly on Halt and Catch Fire, but that's a terrific show. Detective Pikachu, Detective Pikachu, and this is this. So it's like, yeah. th- this is not an actor. Where, unlike, how do you? Unlike other members of this cast, I'm like, no, I know what you can do. <laughs> so I see yeah. you being underserved. One of my notes, uh, and we will talk about this scene later because we cannot do it now. Um, Cassie's speech sure is words. Yep. She has a big uh, inspirational speech later and... It is. It's work. kind of like Andor. Um. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> I share uh, my Tyler. dreams with it's ants. Like, it's like Antor. Yeah, <laughs> Antor. Tyler, um, you shouldn't have made that comparison. Now this movie is doomed to an F. Oh yeah, like, I think we. I think we should just embrace it and talk about all the ways in which this many? movie fails when when held up against. Yeah, Andor. I mean, I, there's at least specifically there are at least two rousing uh, anti-establishment monologues in Andor <laughs> that are They're really stunning. Not. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, one from the very end. Yes, yes, yes. That specifically involves holograms. But... So good. Um, no spoilers. Go watch Andor. Yes. Uh, <laughs> there is there is a lot of, like, similar uh, attempts <laughs> at things. Varying oh. levels of success in both, in both projects. <laughs> um, but talking about Cassie specifically, yes. I think... If we're looking at the past two anime movies, what we're really missing is now uh, Catherine Newton is, I think, in her 20s, probably. Um, she's got to be. Uh, you don't have cute young Cassie who's making silly faces and, and laughing and like playing with uh, an ugly doll and like is just adorable and, and great. You you don't have that element of like, oh, that's a really touching like connection between Rudd and his daughter and and we see this guy who's always screwing up and, and never can quite get it right but we we root for him because we know at, at you know in his heart he's he's trying to do, make things right for his daughter um we we really lose that connection and i think i i don't know what like i i think it's interesting to make her a character in the movie uh and, and bring her into the full cast I, I don't know if it would have worked better to keep with the in-game actor uh, so that you can kind of have her still be a little younger and then maybe that like makes that connection feel still feel strong. Because I guess it's weird to have the time jump be a really impactful emotional thing that happens in in-game. And then here we're kind of, again, several years later, uh, and we, we just move it on. I don't know. There, there, there is, it doesn't feel like we ever really got a good, a good handle on like, all right, how do they settle into life after Endgame? <laughs> like what, you know, what did that look like? Uh, what, what, uh, how did that relationship develop? I mean, we kind of see where it is now. The movie has some ideas about what to do with Ant-Man that I think are interesting that don't really pay off, but I don't know. I think that's a big component of it is that we elevate her to full-time cast member. It's no longer, one of the charming things about the movie is she's just another character. Uh, then we have the rest of the cast sort of sharing more screen time. 
as we're trying to really establish who Cassie is now and sort of focus on her relationship with Ant-Man and like, and develop Jonathan Majors, obviously like it's a whole thing. Uh, And it ends up just being very overstuffed without there. There's no, like if this movie had, what if this movie just had Wong? What if Wong just like was visiting Ant-Man and got sucked (laughs) into the quantum realm with him and he's doing crazy magic while they're shrinking and punching like trying to help him out of the situation. I like, think that could be work. a delight. I don't know. Something. G- give me someone who we can kind of put in here uh, and and make like a character, who, a, a crossover, a team up that is like, oh, that's really fun. We get to see, we haven't really seen the interactions between Scott Lang and this character. Right. And now we get to see him and all his crew interacting with this character and they're a fun character and we're all bouncing off of each other. And now they're all together. And that's like the, the, there's something exciting about that. It's the, if the you're going from make, She-Hulk, Madison or whatever, with two Y's, it but it's not be where her. you think. And, and also Wong. They're both they were both visiting. Yeah. <laughs> My vote would be Don Cheadle, <laughs> mostly because he can just walk through the movie in a giant metal suit, going, "This is all stupid." <laughs> I got an Emmy nomination for this. <laughs> um, I yeah, they I would give, they would give, give him another Emmy nomination. Great. I do vote for Don Tito being in things. I think that would be fun. Yeah, <coughs> and I I don't I'm not saying that because I think they should only do crossovers. No, they should probably do more crossovers. Um, but for Ant Man, yes, please. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, for one, Ant Man, the first Ant Man has uh, Falcon, right? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the that's the scene where he he goes to break into the Avengers place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the. I think that when you specifically because the movie is so much bigger, yeah. that's how you do that. That's how you, you fill in and you make it spectacle. You have, you know, right. you can still have fun stuff. I really like multiverse of madness. I know a lot of people are I do too. Uh, divided on that, but I think we all are pretty high on it. And I, I like what they do with the characters in that, uh, the, you know, they make, they make bold choices with them, but they are doing character stuff yes. in that movie with the characters that they brought in to do the big crossover with. That even this if you is, don't like it, makes it comes from a place in this universe yeah. that I can I can see the line between those things. Yes, that you're continuing to develop those those yes. ideas. Um, this movie is just the Ant Man crew, but there's a bunch of space gunk and people that we don't really care all that much about, and we have to of, figure out how to develop that whole world too. Uh, it's a bunch of rejects from the Star Wars prequels. Yes. Well, yeah. So I. Here's how I felt. So the quantum people, I, I, I feel, the I feel two two ways about it. On the one hand, yes, we we live in an age where like those characters like that can't be iconic anymore because so many movies yeah. do it. But the other thing is, I kind of, I kind of like some of the design of like the random yeah. characters in the back. I feel like there were some like, oh, that's a weird looking thing that would exist in a quantum realm, whatever that is. Sure. I do not like that there are humans in them. They that should they should either explain why some of them are people or we shouldn't have them. Sure. Um, I get it, budget and everything, but like, this isn't Stargate. <laughs> like, I, I'm I'm done using the budget excuse for this nonsense. <laughs> I, it is, oh, it is two hundred million plus dollars for each each of these. Yeah. I'm sorry, you do not get that. Pass. Well, you and d- I, you just don't. <laughs> and I think where it really comes across are it's not even necessarily the effects i think there's effects that don't look 
good. I mean, we can talk about Modoc as his own special thing again, but there's <laughs> there there's <clears throat> like a lot of interesting designs in this movie, but the entire movie feels like they are like talking in front of cool concept art. It's yeah. not. Yeah. And, and I don't know if that's just like the volume that they're using, the, the crazy like domed CGI thing they built for the Mandalorian um, that apparently Peyton Reed is in love with. Like, I, I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's just like the shots are not very interesting. There's a lot of just sitting and staring at people as they talk. We're, and like conversation after conversation of exposition um we're not there's not a lot of inventive stuff going on there to really make use of it and then you look at something like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 Brent I know you've not seen it yet but like talk about a movie that feels grounded while establishing a crap ton of crazy cool alien stuff like you can't and I bet this movie had a higher budget I feel like it I off the top of my head uh, I can double check that but like there's a reason that like and I think I think and hope that this is something that Marvel is is realizing because it sounds like they've started to try and make some changes with regards to the way they do VFX stuff Um, but it is not always cheaper to do CGI like it's still (laughs) very expensive and does not always result in a good product when you could have just put in the work to do practical stuff or like stuff that can be enhanced with effects rather Which I think than... the guardians movies have done in the past yes. <laughs> and been nominated done for amazingly before. yeah i would say that one of my notes was that the visual effects i don't hate them but there sure are a lot of them and yes. yeah. i think that visual effects with me are kind of or with you guys are kind of like acting with me where like i definitely can notice a bad visual effect and definitely have opinions on them, but I don't, there's so many details and elements of them that I just don't catch. Kind of like with, with acting, like you guys go, oh, this person's good. And I'm like, well, here's the way they move their elbow is strange. Like, it's just, we catch different details about this stuff. But for this movie, this was, I don't know if it was the first, first time. It was a very clear time where I felt like the volume, the green screen, whatever you call it, seemed to be impacting the movie. And maybe it's just because I was projecting onto the movie this way, but to me, like it was the CGI. it was so very clear, exactly, so very clear that these actors were not looking at this stuff. They were not in this yes. place, and maybe again, this is me projecting because like Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer are not often in movies like this. So are they sitting there being like, "We gotta prote- what?" Okay, like one of my, my first note that I wrote is, "Don't make Michelle Pfeiffer do this CGI silliness." Most <laughs> of my notes are, "Don't make Michelle Pfeiffer do or say blank," um, but. It just felt, and I'm not like anti-genre, anti-visual effects, but it really felt like, even if the visual effects weren't bad, they so clearly felt fake. And it yeah. didn't feel immersive. It didn't feel like these characters were, quote, really there, where I think the Guardians movies do a good job of involving you in, in that, and that the characters actually feel like they're actually in that place. Maybe it just comes comes down to like being on a set that is enhanced by a green screen versus just a green screen or just a volume. Again, I don't know. I wasn't there, but this one felt like it just felt false, the whole thing, and it felt harder for me to suspend my disbelief. And I think a lot of this movie is going to come down to I couldn't believe the big lies, so all the little ones fell through for me as well. Sure. For me, the visuals are not the worst thing about this movie, yeah. um, but I'm kind of at a place where. Given the premise 
and given the budget of these things, this should be the best looking movie that comes out all year. Sure. Like, this has no excuse to to be mediocre. I'm like, the whole movie is just one big visual effect. It has, <laughs> it, it needs to be top notch. And I just, I, I, I don't give this movie a pass for that. And I'm kind of sick of, of looking at Marvel movies. And it really does feel like that assembly line mentality of just like, we've got, X VFX artists, so we've got to spread them out. Oh, Wakanda Forever needs some. Take them off of this project and put them over there. I I just this movie just feels like such an afterthought in so yeah. many ways. I'm like, but Kang's like supposedly like that is what you are shooting for. I mean, now they're probably trying to rethink that. Um, but like after they were seeing. Jonathan Major's performance, they were like, oh, we need to base everything around him. He is the path forward. I'm like, well, why did you introduce him in this really, really (laughs) bad movie? And that's, it's such a weird place to put this movie in. And it it really makes me wonder, you know, how much of it is like, oh, Peyton Reed wanted to come on, who I feel like we're going to talk a lot about this. We're going to bring his name up a lot. I don't mean to hate on him. I don't think he's necessarily right for... I don't think he's someone who can grow with, you know, blockbuster budgets. I will say I did look up and Ant-Man 3 had like a $200 million budget. Guardians 3 apparently had a $250 million budget. So what do I know? I will say Guardians 3 also has a much bigger cast, and like more star power cast. But maybe, you know, fair enough there. I don't think $50 million <laughs> would have made really made you know, up the difference uh on i, this one I hope they gave michelle pfeiffer 50 million dollars <laughs> they should have i hope yes. i hope she made God, big bank off of this yes um but yeah the the movie we'll, we'll talk about the ending it is a movie that i'm very thankful does not really have much of consequence uh sure. to the overall mcu picture be, be, like that i think it's a movie that you one criticism you could throw at it is that it doesn't do enough of consequence, but I'm kind of glad it doesn't because I don't want to I don't I don't want to like be dealing with this uh in the MCU canon. I I'd rather just not. Yeah, the end is such a weird bait and switch because and they hint at this in the trailers, you know, when Kang is fighting Scott at the end and Scott says, um, you know, I don't have to win. Um, we just both have to lose. And so it's like, oh, is this, are we actually going to make some choices here? Is this going to end in an interesting way? And you think, oh, is Scott going to die? And then Hope goes in and saves him. It's like, oh, are they stuck in the quantum realm now? And and then they just get rescued and the movie's over. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, thanks. You, you wasted two, two hours and four minutes of my life. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Peyton. <laughs> yeah. Or four hours and eight minutes, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We didn't have to watch this in theaters. I think we knew. I think we knew what yeah. we were going to get into. Um, yeah. um, but yeah, they did reshoot the ending. I believe the original ending was that Scott died and sacrificed himself really? to stop Kang and test audiences hated it. And they were like, oh, we need to redo this. Yeah, maybe they maybe they realized that uh, this movie did not earn anything of consequence. I, I will say, I... That would be more interesting, but if the rest of the movie was the same, I don't want that to be the way Paul Rudd leaves. Yes. Well, also, well, I do think if he sacrifices himself, there would actually be somewhat of a through line sure. there. Yeah. 
going back to the beginning of the movie with Cassie kind of chastising him and being yeah, like, you need so. to continue helping people. I know you helped save the world, but you need to do more. I, I'll I'll circle back to Cassie. I I found her intolerable in this. Um, no shade on the actress. I just at the character as written, I did not like her at all. Um, of all the kind of new up and coming younger characters that they've been introducing in Phase Four, she is my least favorite by far. I do not like her. <laughs> I don't think that's a MCU hot take. I think a lot of people <laughs> have yeah. landed there as well. I think you're not alone there. But I do think, actually, if he had sacrificed himself, there would have been yeah. something there. And the, the movie feels like it would have built more to that than not. Yeah. Um, and maybe and maybe with them reshooting the ending, maybe they reshot stuff throughout the rest of it to kind of steer away from that. I mean, it's, sure. it's hard to tell. Um, I mean, maybe they were like, we've killed too many or we've kind of written out too many of our original Avengers characters or like some of the older actors. Maybe we should stop doing that. Sure. <laughs> well, I also, until we get to Kang dynasty and Kang kills like yeah. half of half of them or whatever, you know? Yes. I, I still, As like I, I will, I dark movie. I, I, yeah. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and put money on the table for this. It's metaphorical money. So whatever. Um, I bet the Kang kills Thor and Kang dynasty. I, I, my, my one thing <clears throat> that I realized the other day is that I really need Thor to fight the Midgard Serpent <clears throat> in, in these movies, uh, his, his classical, not, not even classical myth mythology, but like in the comics, there's a couple of very famous right. showdowns, uh, and that would make me very sad if that's what they did. Is that, I could also is the Midgard Serpent Jormungandr? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. There's a, I think it's issue 380 of Thor. Let's get is, Ralph Ineson in there as the voice of Jormungandr and just go to town. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Gareth he, Edwards, get Gareth Edwards for a day and have him yes. fight. They're, they're, literally this issue, it's probably like one of my favorite issues of any comic ever. Favorite comic issues. Um, is It's literally just like giant splash pages. Like there is, every, every panel is at least one full page. <laughs> and it's just this massive scale of him fighting the Midgard Serpent. And I would like to see it. Um, but this movie is not doing anything that cool. Uh, <laughs> well, I do think that so. So I, what, one of my notes is that Paul Rudd is effortlessly charming. And I, I think that's true. Yeah. And I, I have seen Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. I don't remember them, but he is an actor who I just, and he's one of those things people say, Oh, everybody likes Paul Rudd, but it's true because he's fun. He seems, he seems like a nice guy in interviews. He's very likable in movies. He's genuinely funny. Um, and I think that he is not the problem in this as, as of, of no, not, no actor is. Um, but he, like, I, I don't think about like the Ant-Man arc and I think this movie, well, it does a lot of stuff, but, <laughs> and yet nothing. <laughs> there are some jokes that I think Paul Rudd gets off pretty nicely when they're listening to the book on tape in the car. He says something about like, was I the Hulk's baby? That's yeah. pretty kind of funny. And later after Modoc dies, and it has a stupid joke about being an Avenger. And again, that's part of the MODOK discussion coming later. Pa uh, Paul Rudd goes, a lot has happened today. And oh, that's pretty, that's pretty so, good. That's a nice little joke. I, I'm, I'm glad uh, you mentioned that because I want to I kind of dwell on the humor here for a second. Because I think this movie has a real problem with the editing around the humor. Um, that line in particular, I think, really needs like a good five second pause. Sure. Uh, he kind of says, a lot has happened here today. And then the plot just keeps going. No one like right. 
has a reaction or anything. Yeah. Um, there's a ton of stuff like that where emotional beats, comedic beats, they, they just like, yeah, go away. And these are, these, these are actors who are, a lot of them are very good. You, you can give a second to have them react to things. There's, there were a couple of, no, of beats I noticed in particular one, uh, both with Michael Douglas actually, because there's one where he's talking to Scott and he says some line from his book. And then Scott's like, you read my book. And he's like, every word and like that moment is maybe the only moment that uh these this is an example and a counter example but that moment is the only moment in the movie where i felt like they let paul red just like sit and enjoy a moment and, and act because <laughs> like he he gives this smile and like yeah like he kind of seems like oh that's really nice like and there's there's five seconds it's a shot it, although, it takes a moment although i will say it's weird with the timing and and like the fact that it's a joke or maybe not, because yeah. I can't tell if Michael Douglas is supposed to be like expressing contempt and no, having I think, read I think his that's book. supposed to be him being like. He says it in a very like stern, aggressive I, way. I think I think that's Doug- the vibe I get from Douglas towards the third act of this movie is like, I guess I'm here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it. I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say these words real strong. Um, and that that I think is supposed to be excitement. He's that that is excitement is his prevailing. You know what I would have liked when the giant army of ants comes crawling in to to, to for the big attack if yeah, yeah. if uh As does. if if Hank calls uh Scott over and they start doing the, the that promo thing from <laughs> from the first name and they're like ants Ant-Man! If King at, at the end was like strangling uh Scott and then Kangling, just, but go he, on. Yes, <laughs> you just start hearing go like, and, and it's like what what is what is that? Um, and then he just he just slowly wanders wanders out into frame, and he's just going ants, ants, <laughs> and, then, and then Paul Red also starts going ants, ants. That fifteen <laughs> second ad. You guys are so screwed now. <laughs> That 15 second ad for the first Ant-Man movie is the best thing to come out of this franchise. Bring me ants. (laughs) Um, I I think Michael Douglas saying ants is so funny, whether the movie wants it to be or not. Yes. Because every time. And sometimes it does. Yeah. Every time he says the word ants, I'm like, that's funny. But it, I don't know. He says ant science, which is <laughs> That's pretty good. fun, but had less less of an effect on me. So. <laughs> Michael Douglas is not an actor who resonates with me. I keep thinking he and Emilio Estevez are the same guy. Um, okay. Not. Um, but. I guess I see it. I, I, um, yeah. The, the most wasted person in the movie, to my mind, is Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. I am not counting Evangeline Lilly, who is only in the movie legally. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Because Hope is not a character in this movie. But Michelle Pfeiffer, I love Michelle Pfeiffer. Everybody loves Michelle Pfeiffer. From the Uptown Funk song? Come on. Yeah. But she's so also wonderful. Another song that I can't, I'm not. Moon another song out there. River. But I'll look it up. I'll look up the lyrics. Grease 2. I'll say it right in the middle. Well, I was going to say, this is a good segue, because my, yeah. my other example is going to be, um, there's a moment where after they talk with Bill Murray, who is another point we have to just like address a little bit, um this movie this movie's something um they are flying away on the big ship with the goo controls um and it's i think i 
so so basically they're talking about like bill murray uh was apparently maybe her lover while she was in the quantum realm at some point and she's like i was down here 30 years i have needs and then uh michael douglas is like oh i get it i had uh or i i went on a date with someone it's kind of a funny bit he's like i went on a date with yeah a a few times once named named linda it didn't work out um and then michelle pfeiffer is like well why didn't it work out And, and he's like she wasn't you, babe. And then they just fly off. Yeah. What? Sh- show Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Why don't Why don't you show her like? Oh, that's sweet. I right. I, I do love this man. But what a nice also, moment. Yeah. <laughs> when that's such a weird moment because that also couches it as she had sex and Michael Douglas could like Michael Douglas attempted to move on and went right. I can't. I can't give up Michelle Pfeiffer. And Michelle Pfeiffer was like. Yeah, I can move on. It's Bill Murray. Uh, yeah. Like that's, there's, that makes there's her no, seem worse. There, there's no like capstone on that where yeah. she's like, it's just like, idea again. Sentences. The movie needs reaction shots right. from these characters who can emote and have funny faces. One well, like and, like yeah, have done two movies of being pretty funny. But she, <laughs> you know, you know, it'd be great if Peyton Reed. He's looking at the script. And he's like, "This is really good. This is really strong. This is drama." My third Ant-Man movie. It's real drama. And he gets on set and he's like, everyone, no ad-libbing. You must do it by the script. So his camera setups are not built to get reactions. <laughs> right. But then you've got Paul Rudd and like actual actors who know what they're doing being like, no, we're going to ad-lib because this right. is a stupid Ant-Man movie right. and we're going to ad-lib. And then Peyton Reed's like, no, I don't have camera Guys, setups. Don't, don't ad-lib. All. I'm going to get the very cooperative Bill Murray. <laughs> who's, yeah. who's also probably not a jerk in real life i um i didn't hate bill murray as much as i expected to. I, I didn't either and i'll talk about that in a sec i just want to say i love michelle pfeiffer again because i do and i think that she struggles with a lot of the genre dialogue most of my notes again don't make michelle pfeiffer say quantum realm twice don't make her say subatomica don't make her say kylar and speak in a made-up alien language don't make her do yeah. that not because she is not talented, but because she is above that. Michael Douglas saying it sounds stupid and it's fun. Her saying is just like Michelle, guys, don't do that. I'm like, come on, yeah. Don't she's a, she she was singing with the fabulous Baker boys. Don't make her do this. No, the well, the, well, the weird part is the, it, it, like looking back at the first Ant Man movie, like everyone was in on the joke right. and like people like I, I feel like they were making fun of some of the more goofy concepts. And this one seems to be in a weird place where it wants to have its cake and eat it too. Where it's like, well, sometimes we're really going to make fun of it. Like with Modoc, we're not taking him seriously at all. He's just a yeah. big old joke. And yeah. But then when the movie, but then when the movie wants to try and take itself seriously, it just it falls completely flat because the audience goes, "Wait, we're supposed to feel something yeah, now?" Wait, which is what one well, and the Bill Murray <laughs> bit. I-, I went into the movie assuming I would be very annoyed by that scene, and I wasn't. And I, you know, Bill Murray, I sure I get it, but no, I don't always get it. But um, <laughs> he he has some funny bits in that, so like funny reactions, some funny line deliveries, like sure. But the only reason that character is Bill Murray is because they could get Bill Murray. There's yeah. Yeah. it is not a small enough cameo for it to be like ah oh, Bill Murray, nor is it an an important enough character who's in enough of the movie to be like they cast this actor to go and. It- it's just, hey, we could get Bill Murray, so we're going to do this, but we're also going to try to make it relevant to the plot. There's also a very funny part where Michelle Pfeiffer kicks him, and he goes, ah! 
and like his reaction fall is very bad and funny um it's really frustrating because he would kill in one of the other two anime movies i realized that watching it this time around like if, if you put him up against paul rudd and they were and like michael douglas and they were all like bantering yeah. like if he was if he was literally the same character this was like you have this 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 wacky neighbor and he's michelle pfeiffer's uh old flame from high school and he's coming to win her back and this is just like this, this weird kooky dude who's he's floating around in the background and they're all like ribbing on each other like yeah. that would be hilarious that you could get a great scene out of that mm-hmm. and it would work or... very well i think or he's Walton Goggins' boss in the second There we go. Film. We still don't and know maybe, what the deal with Walton Goggins' boss is. And, and maybe I would have liked Walton Goggins more in yeah. that movie. Yeah, bring Walton Nothing Goggins against back. against him. I just don't like him in that movie. But just yes. think about it. You get Gordon Gecko, Egon Splinter, whatever his name is in Ghostbusters, <laughs> and Halloween uh-huh. 5 over here. We get them all in one scene? Are you kidding That's me? That's Or Halloween That's 6? I don't remember what movie Paul Rudd's like, in. Yeah, that would... <laughs> I think it was six that would be a very fun uh bit yeah uh, and 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 this he's making jokes and no one is rea- no one like michael douglas is like slightly concerned because he's like oh this man likes yeah. my wife and the entire uh, time people are saying kylar yes but everyone else is just playing it straight yeah they're just like yep this is normal this guy's talking normally there's no there's no reactions that are like Oh, we're you know, we're we're bantering. This right. guy's funny because it's all put on Michelle Pfeiffer, and Michelle Pfeiffer is supposed to be uh, important plot lady, and not like I, I don't remember you know loving her in the last one, but I I think you could do more with with her than this. Like you can create this character into something that can like be like she should be more of the Michael Douglas type. I feel like where where she's like more of a straight man who's like. I don't know, being wacky and kind of like taking everything at face value. I don't know. Like you, you got to play into that more. You can't just have this be like, yeah, our plot's important and serious. <laughs> uh, and you need to take her seriously. There's a revolution. There's a revolution. There's a guy with like a big, a big, cool yellow uh, portal head. Yeah. So mm, I have a few things about to say about him and his friends. <laughs> and and that begins, Tyler, unless you would like to continue your spiel. No, this, this is my point so, about Bill Murray. There are elements of this movie that want to be Thor Ragnarok very badly, I think. Uh Big lamp head, first of all, looks like Legion from Mass Effect 2, but isn't as cool. That's, he's not, he's not Korg. Jelly Man Who Wants Holes um, is not Meek. Jadora is not Valkyrie. Bill Murray is not the Grandmaster. And part of the reason I think that Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum works in Thor Ragnarok because Jeff Goldblum's like brand for better or worse is that he's a big old weirdo and you put him to pl- go, you make him go play a big old weirdo in a big, weird, silly comedy movie. Bill Murray's whole thing is that he's like a lazy uh, slacker type. So then you go and make him the de facto head of a corrupt government in the quantum realm for 10 minutes in a drama. Yeah. Like none of that jives, but they're trying to do it and it doesn't land. But so much of like the end of this movie, when um, revolution, I guess, because uh, uh, Jadora, not Valkyrie, is like a warrior lady, um, a real badass chick, and that's it. <laughs> that's all there is. To, that's all that there is to her at all. And I think that character could be cool if she had a personality. And this is not a, a, a problem with the actor. 
if they had given her other traits. Valkyrie, at least, is also funny, you know? Um, yeah. But they try to do this whole thing where they're revolting, and that's kind of akin to the end of Ragnarok. And it just, none of it, none of it lined up. And, and I don't think they were literally, I don't think it's a one-to-one, but I think it's kind of going for a similar idea because many people like Ragnarok and I love Ragnarok. I did not like this movie. I was not convinced to buy the Funko Pops of these new characters, despite what the movie is having them do and say. Did they sell Funko Pops of those characters? I assume. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't looked. They made Funko Pops. They, the, fun- they made ones of the Jupiter Ascending cast, I think. We'll get to Kang, because I had some Jupiter Ascending vibes from uh, Jonathan Major's performance. I Um, can see what you mean. It, Yeah, we can wait. We can wait for time. (laughs) But yeah, I just felt like so much of this, like they literally have a scene where Cassie says, you're so cool about Jadora, because they need the audience to understand that that's, that she's cool, because there's not enough showing that have to tell us. Um, all that just kind of frustrated me. Yeah. Real quick, can I circle back to Cassie? Yeah. Because I, I don't like her. And <laughs> just because at, at the beginning, my read on her is that she's very entitled and just very disrespectful to her father. And I don't know where that comes from. Yeah, well, and I was actually talking to my friend Jonathan about this earlier, that he doesn't like the trope of... Jonathan Majors? Jonathan Majors. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, we're oh, friends. No. Uh, no comment. Um, <laughs> that he <laughs> he was talking about, but he also had critiques for the movie. He did that. Uh, I don't even know what I can say. Um, <laughs> but that uh, he Jonathan doesn't like the trope of like superheroes kids being mad at their parents for like being away when they're superheroes. We're doing superhero yeah. stuff now. I think there is a compelling that that, that is the. There is something to be grown from the seed of I have this unresolved resentment for you from you being gone for five years. I know intellectually that it was not your fault. You were in the quantum realm and then you were trying to say, I know that what you did was necessary and I know it's not your fault, but I can't. I still have these feelings in me. And also the subtext of, of this is she's still young and understanding how to process that stuff. There is compelling character drama to be to be done with that. Um, and now, and that maybe some of that is manifesting in her sort of picking it like, why aren't you doing more with your life? And why aren't you a radical? And why aren't you this and this and this? That like, all, all of that can be mapped in a way that makes sense, but they don't do any of that. They just kind of drop yeah. the emotions in there. Um, one of the things actually that I was thinking was, I don't, I don't need this movie to go full Trial of the Chicago 7, but I would have actually liked if we had seen the how Cassie got arrested, if we'd actually witnessed that scene because all we get is her we get that she was arrested and then she's like they were arresting peaceful protesters and then a little bit later she says they were clearing out a homeless encampment and i was like so were they protesting the getting rid of the homeless encampment like what was the scenario yeah so so much of that felt just like i hate to say it it felt like pandering um it felt like oh we are just like dropping some buzzwords because topical like that's That's what it screamed to me, and I was really turned off by that almost immediately, um, even before we get to the Quantum Realm stuff, and then it kind of just diverts away from that shortly. Sure. <laughs> well, and I think it would have helped if we had seen, and again, not like graphic, not like super crazy or anything, but 
enough so that we understand, okay, this is what Cassie was seeing and this is what, how she reacted and why she feels she should react that way again and why people should be participating in it. It doesn't have to be a whole, you know, literal commentary on the world, but because I think later we get a scene where she is seeing the, the robot, the Kang bots saving or uh, uh, not saving uh, the opposite of saving, putting in danger Jadora and all her people and subjugating them. And she's like, we have to stand up and fight against these guys. This is wrong. And she has that thing with Paul Wright about just because it doesn't happen to you doesn't mean that it isn't happening. And I like all of that. But I think if we had some kind of one-to-one where she witnesses something at this event, whatever it is, and then she sees something very similar to that happening in the quantum realm. And she's like, this is what I was fighting against in the real world. This is why you have to understand why this is important to me. Then we would, we would get, the, the the theme of that. And I, I don't know if literally the answer is showing more or if it's just having them talk about it more. Like, I, I don't need movies to be super preachy, but I think this is a movie that could have used a little more overtness because it's not subtle. It just isn't doing things. Well, I think part of my problem is that this could help feed into the world building. Yes. Um, following Endgame, because I feel like just across the board, this is a huge drop. Yeah. In, in mcu storytelling because we get we get a very mixed um set of interpretations of what happened after everyone came back yeah. um and you get stuff that's more in-depth like falcon winter soldier but i still don't think that handles it particularly well um you get some stuff that just kind of ignores it like shang chi um like it's just all over the place yeah. and i i i just I'm given that the last two Ant-Man movies were not giant like Star Wars cosmic right. things. I feel like this could have been a decent opportunity to get into that. Sure. But she says something like, "Oh, only like rich people can afford housing now after everyone came back." I don't even know if that makes sense right. cuz they don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. And and then, again it's one of those things where it's like I don't necessarily need a full big short breakdown of the economics but give me a little more context for what this is and i think yeah if this were a if they were clearing out an encampment of people who were left homeless because their homes had been sold during the blip or something and they had been dusted and they came back like okay cool now we're building this world and we're getting a sense of like who these what 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 the world looks like and we also get a deeper look into who cassie is and what how that is coloring her relationship with her father and her perception of what heroism looked looks like post Thanos. Um, I just feel like a little more detail in all of that would have fleshed it out more because generally this movie decides to have a cathartic moment that is bolstered by nothing except from, well, other movies have done stuff like this. Other movies have had an inspiring speech and a bunch of people show up. Well, I think part of the problem is, Scott gets thrown completely under the bus at the beginning of this movie. I don't know why they put him in this place. Yeah. But a lot of it just seems to hinge on Cassie is not telling him things, and then she's mad when he finds out about it. Right. Like, but she's mad at him. Yeah. Like, tell him about the stuff that you've been doing. Yeah. Tell him about the Quantum Realm stuff. I don't know why everyone keeps that a secret from him. And again, if it, if this is all supposed to be that She's upset with him for not being there, and it's irrational, but it's an emotional response. Great. That can be character drama. Talk about it. <laughs> like, Ca- Cassie Cassie is not, like, a, a, a character in this. She's yeah. just, like, a mouthpiece for some ideas that are half-baked. Yeah. And she could be. 
but they just won't do it. Yeah. Little uh, little podcast note here. I don't know if either of you mentioned that I'd, I'd walked away, but nor- normally when this when this happens, because I have to go tend to the child or, or what have you, uh, normally... Grogu? You know, about, yeah, tend to Baby Yoda. Uh, normally, you know, I'll kind of, I'll kind of leave, and, and you both will kind of, uh, you know, hang out for a bit, and make some jokes. Maybe sometimes I'll put them into the bloopers or whatever. Um, I think this is the first time that the movie has just... You have been compelled to continue talking about the movie the entire time. <laughs> we, we, cir- we circled back on Cassie and kind of dissected kind of the, the opening status quo and why it's just confusing because there's a severe lack of context. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask. I agree with everything you've said. <laughs> Thank you. Endorsed. Tyler, Tyler, is Cassie in the comics, is she a super genius? Because we have yet another WizKid super genius, and I'm tired of that. <laughs> no, I, that, that has... Well, worn out it's welcome with me <laughs> and this is this is an interesting thing where like talking about you know what scott Link's supposed to die will he die at some point and all right well let, let's 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 roll it back to 2004 uh, <laughs> still reeling like from the sound of that. And, <laughs> well you know uh possibly influenced comics reacted hard to 9-11 okay just, just keep that in mind. Um, they really, I mean, I realize that's that most things did, but like yeah. comics, you feel it when you go back there. Um, in uh, in two thousand four, uh, Brian Michael Bendis wrote Avengers Disassembled, uh, which is where like basically all the Avengers of the current era kind of totally implode, um, and Hawkeye dies, and uh, Scarlet Witch is like the cause of all of it this leads to house of him and all that stuff um and during that also scott lang dies uh so that's like basically he's and and he's one you know he's a comic death that just like sticks for a while usually you know you you get a few years and then they come back but like he no one no one touched him for a while um and so then cassie was introduced i think in like 2007 2008 i might be actually be later on that um, it, might, it might have been sooner, like right after uh, that Avengers is assembled, um, where she is uh, basically his his daughter who, you know, gets this shape changing technology and everything. But she's obviously very uh, still like reeling from the loss of her dad. And so that's like where her character in the comics comes into play and like continues to come into play. I feel like they've done a very different weird thing here by having her be someone that having her be someone that like we see connecting with Scott from the very beginning. And then also having Scott be like a harder character to let go of (laughs) instead of just being like, he's, he's a cast of one of the, of of the comics. And like, you know, we got plenty of of superheroes. We can kill one off for her. Now it's like, he is one of the few like stables. So I can see where it's harder to, to do anything with him, but um, all that to say, like, her character is probably not that far off. I mean, it, it is sort of just like the the script does feel like, yeah, write a precocious child yep. who's who's a little rebellious. What like, it's not... what is the thing that he keeps telling? Is it tap then punch? Yeah, tap and punch. Okay, I will say one thing this movie does right, by which I mean it doesn't do this. Uh, and Tyler, get your bleep button ready. Is that at the end of the movie? Somewhere in the final fight, she doesn't hit do a successful attack and then go, 
tap and punch, bitch. And then, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not far off, but... But she has a, but it's more like she's going, tap and punch, tap, then punch. Yeah. It works yeah. a little bit better. I was waiting for it yes. the whole movie, and they didn't there do it. Go. And I was like, all right, okay. You know... Thanks, Kevin. I could have used that when she hit Modoc. <laughs> Kevin Kevin stepped in there and goes, no, no. No, no, no. Only Chris Pratt gets to say the bad words. He's <laughs> he's my special little cussy boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, guys, I want to talk about Modoc. I'm talking about Modoc. Can we talk about Modoc? All right, is it time? Rip off the band. We don't story. talk about Modoc from the movie. Yeah, um, Moana, Modoc. <laughs> you know when Modoc goes to fight his of... grandma, who's a mountain, or whatever happens in Moana. Doing a lot of sort of phonetical fanatical puns here yeah you know i'm I'm just as funny as quantum mania um well modok to me is a complete misfire in this movie um (laughs) i recognize the hot take uh all the modok fans out there (laughs) i think most of the modok fans out there are also i know hey let just take a look at the stole poll people love it But yeah, the Corey Stoll fans. The Corey Stoll fans. But I, so I, we got I, I so have, much more of his face in this movie. <laughs> I have never read a comic that has Modoc in it. I don't know anything about his origins or any of that stuff. But what I'm given to understand about this character is that he is the silliness. Everything comes from a, just a maniacal quality about this guy yes. that lends itself to comedy, to fear, to drama, to intensity, to whatever, because he is maniacal. In this movie, you get a guy, and, and I, I part of it is it's it's just poor casting. I think Corey Stoll is a good actor. Corey Stoll is not a maniacal actor. Corey Stoll can be funny. Corey Stoll is not a wacky actor. Yeah. And maybe I'm only yeah. thinking this because of the TV show I didn't watch, but I think Patton Oswalt is probably about the, the right pitch. Yeah. I think yeah. A, a Jack Black, a Dan Fogler, you know, you, you got options. Jack Black would have been very good. Right? Um, But I think just from a performance perspective, Modoc is so level for so much of this movie. He's kind of weird looking. He's kind of awkward, but it's just a lot of like, oh, oh, Cassie, I see you're back. All right. I guess I'll fight Scott now. Until randomly they remember to make him funny. And then he has all these, he suddenly becomes stupid and is like, thinks he's an Avenger or something because he decides to not be a dick literally verbatim from the movie yeah. and then fights his character arc his character arc. he fights hey he gets one he fights poorly and dies or something and like he dies going i can't believe i'm dying an avenger which again in other movies like if james had been in a james gunn movie it would have honestly probably been fairly emotional but like there's a way that's funny and this just kind of felt mean um i mean they he did do it and yeah james gunn did do <coughs> pretty much in the Suicide Squad. Oh, I'm a superhero. Yeah, oh, I was like, that's true. That's true. Which is kind of heartbreaking in a way that I think it was intended to be. I mean, I was also thinking Yondu in Guardians 2 is like Mary spell. Poppins, y'all. Yeah, from like sure. dead. Being, being an enemy to like yes. being someone. But in, in a way that is like an actual arc. Yeah. And, and I think it's, and again, maybe I'm wrong here, but it feels like Modoc is only played by Corey Stoll because we remember him from the first Ant-Man movie. However... And this is the part of the editing that this actually did kind of make me mad. Modoc is flying around. He's got a crazy mask on. And then he's revealing his identity to uh, uh, Scott. And he goes, you know me, Scott. I was. And then we get a montage of Corey Stoll from the first movie, which 
if you are only casting Corey Stoll as Modoc, it's because you remember him. Why are we doing a montage that reminds us who he is? Also, that completely undercuts the tension. It completely undercuts the reveal. And then they do the reveal of his face, and he looks silly. Not in a, in a way that is comedic and weird, but not the kind of comedic weird mania that you could get from a Modoc. It's just kind of like, what? This is a big face. And then... It, and I, I know this is like hard to do in a movie like this. I get it, but it still didn't work for me. That but that montage, I think, completely undercut everything, and I didn't like it. You do get to see his butt once, which I know made yeah. Alex happy, but it just I chuckle. He chuckle. <laughs> I, I'm I'm just I, kidding. I punched a hole through my TV because <laughs> you were trying to grab that butt. <laughs> You're just like, give me that. But oh, yeah. it just, you know, immediately, immediately after that, I was like, I'm going to do my homework. That Modoc show can't be that bad. Can it? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's just, it's a, it's a character who every beat of that character does not work. And I, and I imagine that Modoc is a really hard character to make work yeah. in a live action movie. And I say live action knowing 90% of this is CGI, but like, he's a hard character visually to make work. He's probably a hard character tonally to make work. And I appreciate that. I think that this was not the way to do it. <laughs> and it just, it just consistently every, he was either too muted or it was just the wrong angle on the comedy for me. Yeah. I, I feel like more of Modoc hit for me than for a lot of people. I think overall, you know, there are bits and jokes I like. All right. Uh, the, yeah, he gets some sort of like, character thing they're also while he's dying he does have like this this big vomit gag for like 10 seconds that is just like that's not don't don't do that yeah (laughs) we don't we don't need that um but yeah i i think it is just overall a weird conception for where to bring this character in and what to do with him i don't i mean i don't don't, modok's not a character that i think was ever going to be like a staple of the MCU. This is in terms of like wasted villains. I I don't think you really like missed a shot for uh, an incredible Modoc overarching Avengers plotline where he's running aim or whatever. Like, I I don't think that was ever really on the table, but it is, it is weird. And like, I I think just a hard character to figure out how to do anything with. Um, And so they kind of just are like, ah, he's around and he's yelling sometimes and he's got, there, there is a bit where uh, he shows up to attack uh, Hank Pym. And Hank's like, he stares and he's like, oh, oh, Darren? And it's a good, it's a good line delivery. It's a good, like, beat. Like, it's, it's paced well. It's a good comedic beat. And then he just starts attacking. And we kind of just move on with the, with the set piece of the ship crashing. Like, it's, again... The mo- the movie does joke sometimes that it's like, oh, that was a joke. Are you gonna you gonna do you gonna like you gonna acknowledge up? that? <laughs> no. All right, that's cool too. <laughs> like, that's how I felt through so much of the movie. Do we do we want to rip the other band aid off? Yeah, probably. I was thinking about that. Um, I was not about yeah, Sir Sir Kang. I was not as impressed with Jonathan Majors in this as I was hoping to be. And that is not because of the off-camera stuff. The off-camera stuff is different. It is, as of right now, ongoing. We, none of us are here to adjudicate anything. But that that inevitably is in your head watching the movie. Yeah. 
and is inevitably in my head talking about the movie. And I, I it is a good performance. Like, it, yeah. if, if art is binary, it's a good performance. But I think I was, because I think I'd heard so many people saying, oh, that's the good thing about the movie, I'd maybe overhyped it to myself as like, oh, he's amazing, and the rest of it is bad. And it's more that he's just a lot, he just talks quietly and slowly a lot. He does yell some. And he's good at it, but it's not, I mean, he's fine. I think that, that with Thanos, even before Infinity War and Endgame, I so clearly knew what Thanos' goal was that then when we get the introduction to him, we got the backstory and we have this fully formed character by the end of it. And this time it felt like I don't even really, I don't know what King's powers are. I don't know what his motivation is. I don't know anything about him except space and time. Yeah. So I just, I, I, I feel like, yeah, it, this is not, I, I didn't leave this feeling like, oh, he's, he has arrived now. Yeah. But that's me. I remember the first time seeing this, I remember him being the clear highlight, but even then I don't remember being as sold on him as everyone else seemed to be. Yeah. Yep. And it, it just kind of got worse on a rewatch. Um, I, I did have the realization that this is a far less extreme version of Eddie Redmayne's performance in Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> That's a callback. <laughs> where it's it's a lot of Britain, like you were saying, it's a lot of whispering, a lot of monologuing, and then every once in a while he'll scream. Yeah, and, a lot of holding his hands and together. Much like uh, really smart whiz kid, I'm, I'm sick of this trope for villains. Stop doing this. <laughs> Stop hurting me like this. I like it better than villains who dance, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm talking slowly because I'm serious and you can't wait to see more of me in a sequel. And now it's the third act, so I'm yelling a lot. Yeah, but see, yeah. he that that but then you can hear the person in the in the crowd in the seat behind you going, Oh, he's crazy. This is scary. <laughs> oh I I just There's don't a lot know of... what's going to happen with Kang. <laughs> what is he on? What, <laughs> what is Kang on? <laughs> Guys, let's go to see Quantumania in the theater just so I can in the middle of the movie go, what is Kang on? <laughs> yes. Uh, let's not do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I remember coming away being pretty impressed by his performance. I, I think, I still think, you know, watching it this time around, I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I think it's going to be a harder performance to talk about next week when we're talking about Creed three is next, it's next week Creed three or is there a buffer movie that I'm forgetting Creed three. Yeah. Um, because it's been, um, arrested for, uh, domestic violence allegations. Kind of a hard thing to talk about thing. We've, we've been yeah. talking around for a while. Um, ultimately, I mean, we, we basically, like you said, Britain, it's, it's ongoing. We'll find out more things have not generally looked good disney is as like already said don't promote him in any marketing material that um i believe they communicated that like marketing partners seems like there's a good chance that that they're going to end up dropping him that he may you know end up being uh found guilty so like all remains to be seen not really a conversation that we have anything to add to um but it does make it trickier. It makes, I think, next week a lot harder because I think it's a better performance and I think it's also a performance that's going to feel more uncomfortable um, with what he is accused of. Yeah. Uh, where this movie, I think, yeah, it, it does just come across. It's like, yeah, this is a, 
a standard like performance did did the the thing you do with a villain performance it does not outshine or like create something that like really sticks out for especially on the rewatch i think the movie really starts to meddle together where it's like oh all of this is related and how bad it is <laughs> like <laughs> There, there's there's nothing that escapes this muck um because there's question so many for things you, to get into question for you both um well britain did you you watched loki right i did yes sir okay how does his performance as that variant compare to this i don't really remember <laughs> I, I think that actually speaks a lot <laughs> as to I, how how that how far that goes i feel like i liked him more in loki um, okay. I think he's. It's a little more over the top, actually. It's a little more manic, yeah. but like, it's. I think that's. It's more interesting the way he's kind of yeah. playing it in there. Um, this is, yeah, a little a little more standard, and I think definitely comparing it to like a Thanos, where it's like, okay, Thanos is this big beefy dude, but he's he's uh, walking slowly. He's talking slowly. He's he's taking a sweet time because he knows that he has so much power. Um, whereas this, I think does, it is hard to, it's hard to go establish a new main villain. It's hard to do it when you do it in a movie this bad. <laughs> um, and it's hard to do it when uh, everyone's made, made light of like the, Oh, he gets defeated by ants at the end. Well, what the heck? I'm not, I'm not really that worried about that. Like they're big, big tech ants, what, whatever. Like, uh, you know, that doesn't like, that's that's an internet talking point meme that I, I I try to recognize those where I see that it's just like oh this is just something people have latched onto that's a dumb criticism thing and I try to stand clear of those where I can. Um, I I do think it is actually a worthwhile criticism. That I think Ant Man beats him. <laughs> well, it, and not even because like again the the movie establishes this this scenario in which there are these like there's this insane ant civilization and a bunch of revolutionaries and they all go attack him. And that's how he gets defeated. But then he also like almost defeats, uh, or all, he, he gets in a big pitch battle with, with Ant-Man and like almost beats him to a pulp. And then Ant-Man does a thing to make him realize he has to run. And then yellow jacket, like it, it all, you know, that I said, yellow jacket wasp shows up. These movies have characters. Uh, they, Tariel. Uh, yes, <laughs> they all. Um, the 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 way it all comes across is like there. There's no point at which I'm like, oh man, you know, Ant Man or uh, King really like uh showed that he's he's a weak dude and not uh not can't can't pose a threat. But it's weird to create you you make the main villain in their first major appearance come across as very intimidating and very powerful. You make, you make them come across as like, Oh, we didn't win that. <laughs> like we got, we just barely got out. Uh, obviously Thanos stars infinity war. And it's like, Oh, he just killed Loki and destroyed well, all the Asgardians. Say, going going uh, back even further than that. Like there's a reason Thanos is not the main villain in Avengers. Yeah. Like he is behind everything, but if he showed up in New York and got beaten, yeah, everyone, when he gets to infinity yeah. war, everybody would be like, but they already, beat him like the, the uh, so much of the tension is just removed it it's it's weird to be like yeah here's how we beat the guy the first time oh look there's a bunch of them in the in the mid credit scene so that's gonna be like a little bit more difficult 
to deal with. Uh, I, I don't... It, it's a strange way to approach the stakes escalating for this villain to have it be like, yeah, we could defeat, we were able to defeat him. There, it was, it was outside circumstances. It's not like he was like not powerful or not like a worthy adversary, but we were able to beat him. He went and got magic away by science. And I don't, you know, probably they were going to do something with him. Now we'll see if they do the same thing with him. Uh, if they, if they have to recast the character or totally pivot or whatever they want to do. Um, but yeah, it, it's a weird way to establish the person who's supposed to be the main villain. I I think, you know, they've announced like King Dynasty will go into Secret Wars. Those will be the next two Avengers movies. It'll be kind of a two-parter thing. So maybe the idea will be that like he gets beaten at the end of King Dynasty and then you have some new villain. Maybe it's, it's Doctor Doom or it's the Beyonder or whatever you want to do with it. Maybe that'll happen, but that's still, still an odd direction because we want him to be a credible threat when he does face like all the Avengers. And I also think just the premise of this of like, Oh, Hey, here's Kang getting, getting exiled. Like the council of Kings is neat. It's neat that they, they have a thing in the MCU now. That's like a council of Kings. That's, you know, that's a, that's a comic book nerds. Like, Oh my gosh, I never would have thought we got here. We would have gotten here in 20 years ago or whatever. That one's a Pharaoh. Yeah. We never would have seen uh Rama Tut. Maybe I think is I think I see that's supposed to be. It's a Kang well, Tut, if I may. It's Kang Tut. I'll, Kang I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to look this up because I know one is a Mortis. Uh, My favorite Batman. It's supposed to be Mortis. My favorite Steve Martin song. Uh, yeah, that after credit scene I found laughable. So that's um, the Council. It, is that one? Yes. Okay. Is there a second one? Was there a second one? Uh, I think there is, and I've already forgotten what it was. I'll look it up. Um, I don't even think I stuck around for it this time because I looked it up and I was like, yeah. But but that sequence in particular, I just I, it just doesn't look good. Like I don't think like yeah. all of the Kangs look just super silly. Um, and then just seeing all the Kangs showing up in that giant arena and a bunch of them are cheering like they're frat guys at a football game. I oh, yeah, like it's a weird thing. My head was on the verge of exploding. I was like, how, "How? What is the emotion you are trying to elicit out of me? Is it laughter? Is it fear? What is? What is yeah. it?" The other one yeah. is the Loki teaser. That's right. That's right. It's just a, probably. Oh, I'm pretty sure just yeah. literally a clip from Loki. Um, Which, yeah. aside from the fact that it kind of reminded me of uh, the Prestige slash the Illusionist, and I got to see Owen Wilson, the yeah. the thing in Loki that I liked, I didn't really care. Yeah. Um. Stop showing scenes from other material that will end up being in that material in in the after credits stuff. Stop doing that. I'm sick of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't like it when they're just like, and here's a scene from Thor Ragnarok, and we're just showing you the scene with Doctor Strange. And I'm like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Do do something that's not going to actually be in the movie. I think. Think about King that I start to. <clears throat> see unravel and i'm curious what they do in loki maybe maybe this will turn me around a little bit on this because i felt like in loki i was more on the right track and more like on board with what they're doing with king and the idea of king he as a as a character is like he's another kind of aloof villain you know he's someone who can who can get riled up and can get like uh sort of caught up in uh personal drama with the heroes and that you know ends up being his undoing um but he he's usually more of like, I'm so powerful, 
I, I'm not really that concerned. I'm not like getting down to your level and like yelling at you or anything. I'm mostly just like, yeah, I've got all this is out of control. I, I own time. <laughs> I am, I am the time man. Like I can just do whatever I want. Like uh, there, there's not a lot of, in his stories, a lot of him, you know, getting really tied up in all these like big fights where he's like being manic and like punching people or whatever. I mean, he's, he's all about his tech and he's, you know, 20 steps ahead of you. Cause he, he can control the future. Uh, and there's like zany stuff where he's interacting with like his past selves. Like Rob, Tut is a, a old version of King uh, or maybe a new, I always forget how maybe he may in the future after he's like King the Conqueror uh, in the comics I think maybe in the future he goes back to Egypt to be a pharaoh just because he feels like it and then like eventually he becomes a mortis who just like sits in time and doesn't really care about anything <laughs> like it, it, it's all zany and wild and weird um, and that's not to say he can't be a threat but I think I mean we in Loki right uh we see like the TVA. We see how powerful the TVA can be. Like there's, it seems like it's a, an organization that just like has a lot of influence and sway over things. And I, and it does so by being bureaucratic. It's, it's all like, this is, this is offices. This is corporate offices. And I think maybe spoilers for Loki at this point, Alex, because you've, you've had enough chances to watch it. You probably already seen this, but I, I think the ending of that is that King does take over the TVA or is implied to take it over something like that. Maybe um, that like, that's interesting to me. And I'm, ex- I'm curious to see what they do in Loki season two, because that is like a compelling version of King to me. If he's like, yes, I am the CEO of time. <laughs> that's, that's what I do. My name is you time. Can't cook. Touch me. <laughs> that's very good. Um, that, that I think, is the right way to take this character. I think you, you, you can make him aloof in a different way than Thanos is aloof where, where Thanos, you know, one of the effective things about Thanos is him getting drawn into being like, who are these jerks? I do want to kill them. You know what? <laughs> like I'm, I'm mad at them. Um, I, I think you could have someone who's just so like, I, why, why would I even care what you're trying to do? Cause there's just no way you can touch me and, and they have to like figure out big over overarching schemes to, to find ways to dismantle his power. Like, that feels like the right way to take it. And this really does feel like a better version of, uh, Ronan. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Malekith. Like it's a, it's another iteration of that. They're, they're better at making the villains than they used to be, but it's still like the 2023 MCU version of that, where it is. The, the character is not actually compelling enough and, and motivated enough to show us why they're going to be like the next big thing. The performance is, is, is really good. Like I, I do really like the performance. It doesn't, you're not bolstering that in a way that's going to make me think like, Oh man, here we go. This guy's Thanos too. Uh, that, that is something that I think I had not really thought through until we just started talking about it, but that has all clicked into place. And I think it is probably the wrong direction. I wonder. So we'll see how they pivot. I wonder how if they're too far into the Blade production, they're not, to change Delroy Lindo into being the new Kang. 
Because if Dolroy Lindo was an MCU villain, I might have to take a nap. That'd be he'd be so good. <laughs> He's so good. Well, this is something I think I I already said this when we mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy three and everything. Oh seconds, right, but yeah, Chuck Woody, uh, I think would be a very smart move to just say that is the six one six king, and now. We have to deal with other kings. Sure. <laughs> like, he's, got a, who, he's got a purple costume and everything. Yes, just like, go for just it. Do the same thing. I did like they um, would occasionally with Jonathan Majors be like, nope, he has a little visor on his helmet that gives him the blue face. Yeah, the can blue I talk about that not real look quick? Great. Can, 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 yeah, I, go for can it. I complain about this? Yes. Um, and I can get into like people like helmets and suits in the quantum realm just don't matter. Um which in Endgame they specifically built like time travel suits and that was like a big deal so it's just like nope that doesn't matter just out the window um but but even like Cassie when they go down into the quantum realm there's a reveal like 30 minutes later that she has a suit well she had said like, earlier that she has a suit but yes yeah well not that she had it on her oh right right but like if you're getting sent down in the quantum realm like my first reaction would be oh I'm going to I'm going to put on the suit right not i'm gonna walk around in street clothes for a while like a dummy um but i i it felt like such a kind of superficial hollywood movie thing of like well the actors are going to show their faces yeah i'm like well the premise isn't built for that and if you go down that road it's it's going to take away a lot of the credibility i would have respected this movie warts and all if they had them wearing helmets the whole time and Kang or, with his visor and the, the blue makeup and everything. I would have respected this movie so much more. But even on that level, it felt like such a superficial, we, we can't even get that right. Yeah. Tom Hardy is Ant-Man. <laughs> sure. So, Cassie, you have a suit. I love my daughter. If you if you take off that mask, will you die? It would be extremely painful. The ants are fine. Um. Also, time is supposed to move differently in the quantum realm. Yeah. Um, when they come back, it's like the same day. I mean, the problem is this is established in Ant Man and the Wasp, um, which I also don't like. So uh, a lot of the stuff that I don't like in this movie is firmly established in that movie. I I don't want people to forget. Um, cause Michelle Pfeiffer comes back at the end of that and she's aged in like real time. And it's like, well, you were in the quantum realm. I thought, yeah, but then Scott gets trapped in there for five minutes and he, or five hours. And it's been five years in Endgame. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. Well, he's also Paul have, Rudd. But they don't even have a line of dialogue to be like, oh no, it's not supposed to make sense. Like there's not even like a, like a catch all, like don't worry about They They don't lampshade it. Um, and that just seems like on the basic, most basic checklist of things of just, I am writing a stupid comic book movie, that should be on there. It's called Quantumania. <laughs> Why are you forgetting about what the about Quantumania? <laughs> you forgot about the time. There's also not a lot of mania in this movie. Yeah. Pretty, pretty staid. What are you talking about? Paul Rudd got big, even though scale doesn't actually matter in the quantum realm. And then he was just yelling at Kang because he broke his word. Okay, what yeah, that, that did frustrate me because he has this whole thing about our word is our bond. Without that, we are nothing. 
And that feels to me like that's only in the movie because the writers have seen it in other movies. Like, it's not, that's not like a thing where Scott's this like Arthurian knight or that, you know, I don't know, there's nothing about it. Why did he trust Kang in the first place? nothing to to build to him yelling about how i can't believe you broke our word our word is our well, bond like it's so silly well it's not even established that he trusts king right he basically has cassie at gunpoint and says do this or i'll kill her like i don't know <laughs> like I, I i don't know why scott is surprised by anything kang does for the latter half of the yeah. movie um and by the way, that the, the multiplication scene where he's trying to reactivate yeah. the the thing so the thing will happen and then the third act can start. Um, I like it in theory. It doesn't look good, and I was very very confused <laughs> by it because like at some point they like I don't know why Baskin Robbins Scott is there. That's the thing. If this is Infinite Ant Man. Why is there only one different one? There's right. a version. There's obviously a version of reality where Baskin Robbins, uh, Scott Lang, with no Ant Man powers, got sent to the quantum realm. That's what that's what it's implying. He could end up at that moment. Fair. Uh, well, I, no I guess it doesn't make. I sense. guess if it uh, if it is established that um you can go to the quantum realm without any sort of mask or protective yeah. clothing, then yeah, whatever. N- you don't know what they make those matters. aprons out of. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, they. The, all, you all from the, ice cream. We don't know what else. All all the Ant Men are like, <clears throat> we we're united because we are doing it for Cassie. We are all the ants, and yeah. I am all the time. <laughs> and it's it's such a it's like oh you you defeated a reality storm because you y'all y'all love your daughter i don't like but, what? but hope did no one else up. think about this yeah then hope Hope's shows also up there. grabs scott and then all the duplicates disappear for some reason yeah it's just like a strange set piece that never really because we have no idea what's going on there's no real stakes and it's not cool enough to like get away with that yeah. it's not cool enough to be like oh wow what's this this is just trippy it's like oh there's a lot of ants <laughs> or a lot of ant ant mans uh, i guess uh, it's just like ant mans uh i don't i don't know it's odd. Yeah. Um, um, William Jackson Harper is in this movie. Yes. And that is actually a thing that makes me very mad because he's the only person who fits. He's like, good, the only yeah. person who, who rolls with everything this movie is putting on the screen and is, I think, funny. Uh, he has good timing. Be- I think it it may literally be because he has the effect of his, his head like glowing mm-hmm. when he reads people's minds, they have to give him long enough to give him. Comedic sure. Timing. <laughs> like he has a room to do comedic timing yeah. because they have to sit on his face for like an extra few seconds. Every time he makes a joke or whatever. Um, yeah, no, he is very good. And you know, he's, he's good anyway, but yeah, I it's agree. A, that, that's a weird thing where maybe the one case where the, the script and the, and the actor are working in concert. Yes. It is a absurd waste yeah. of, of, of William Jackson Harper. Like, why? <laughs> what was this? It, I, this would be like probably the most distracting if they like used an actor in another thing. That he would probably be the most yeah. distracting version of that. The MCU's done it a few times, um, but man, they they should they should just let him do. Something. Unless they do a reveal that he was the Kang variant the whole he time. He could be King. He just let him be King. I don't know. 
yeah, uh, he, I don't. It, I just, guess we haven't cast Ahura yet, so maybe maybe that's they're gonna do a real quick. Oh no, it was her the whole time. It was it was Meryl <laughs> Streep as Ahura. Yeah. Let me look up what Ahura. Um, the whole first half of the movie leading up to Kang, they try their darndest to be like, we can't even say his name. He is like the real deal. Um, and I absolutely hated it. Everyone knows the Kang is the bad guy in this movie. Just get the frick on with it. Yeah, you freaking idiots. His power is, his power (laughs) over the quantum realm is... That he has a bunch of androids with blue faces. Like, <laughs> yeah, he is powerful. He is he is a strong dude. You don't want to fight him, but his power is established by just like yeah. Dro- He's dwarves. got like twenty Abe Sapiens running around. Yes, it's like what? Well, what? Why is this the most terrifying thing anyone here has ever seen? <laughs> this is a weird yeah. place. You just saw a giant, weird, gross, like amoeba monster yeah. eat a sun. What, what? Why are we like? Oh man, this guy. He's got robots. We don't wanna but, well, because he's got a suit that gives him his powers, I think. Right. <sighs> but in terms of doling out exposition, I think this is one of the worst cases of the character should clearly be explaining what the heck is going on. Yeah. And it's just refusing to for reasons. Yeah. Um, there are multiple scenes where Hope and Hank are telling Janet, please tell us what's going right. on. As they are casually walking. Yeah. Yep. And she goes, it's too dangerous. I'll tell you later. <laughs> this movie. What I, is wrong with this movie? I imagine. The movie can't even set, movie correctly. I imagine being on set for this movie was probably. Near identical, if not worse, to being on set for. Uh, like the last two Hobbit movies. <laughs> that infamously like made Ian McKellen have a nervous breakdown because he was literally just acting in a green room. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, I can't, it, it feels like the entire movie. There's, there's some stuff that they do like some punching, uh, that's in like actual rooms, I guess. Uh, or at least uh, like actual sets, man. So much of it is just like, here's concept art scrolling through the background that's like, you're not really going to take too close of a look at. We've just kind of animated it. And here's these characters. And the whole, the, the coloration of the whole movie is is just kind of this, this weird, gross, like brownish orange, bright thing. I don't know if you guys have seen this interview with Liam Neeson where he's talking about making Phantom Menace. And he said, there was this line where i talk about mid-eye chlorians i went over to george and i said george what is he's like what am i saying like what does this mean and george looked at me and he said you know how in your gut there's all of these bacteria sort of wriggling around i said sure yeah okay he goes one of them has wisdom and then he walked away And I didn't get it. <laughs> and I feel like maybe there's some of that with Michelle being like, so what's subatomica? And Peyton Reed's like, you know how in 1959, the 400 blows kicked off the French new wave? She goes, yeah, of course he goes. And then he walks away. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> I want Peyton Reed to go to the Criterion Closet. 
Yeah. Send him in there. Come on. Yeah. Cue uh, the the scene uh, of them shooting Phantom Menace and, and little Jake Lloyd. Uh, bless his heart. He goes, Karuskind? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So no, I, 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 it's just not very good. Do we have we covered all the notes? I've covered my notes. Yeah, I've covered mine. Um, the I did give up two thirds of the way through. The I, the I ending <laughs> is nothing. The ending is hope shows up because they forgot to use Evangeline Lilly, and she yep. does a heroism and hooray for her. And then I, I, just then we're back to like the echo of the first thing. I will say the one moment of emotion I did feel aside from like frustration or boredom was when she did save him and they're kind of just sure. they're holding each other and he's like, don't go. Yeah. And like he he's his face is covered in blood and everything. Yeah. Like I actually was like, oh. Maybe why is Hope not a character in this movie? Well, I, you could have yeah. built to that and actually made me like yeah. that could have worked. And I think that's part of it is that me not remembering the first two movies, I didn't I wasn't able to have any of that sort of stored up for this movie. But also this movie doesn't I mean there's provide. not enough there in exactly. those, those movies sure. anyway. Well, and there certainly isn't enough in this movie. Um yeah. speaking of blood on the face, uh here's another big disgrace. There's a shot in the movie <laughs> where Oh, it's after they have to drink the ooze to understand, to get everyone on the same yeah. linguistic uh, wavelength. Where Cassie's walking around for a good bit with like blood, the ooze on her chin. And then they cut away yeah. and they cut back and it's gone. Now, this is not a big deal. But in this movie, when I'm not buying everything else, it's annoying. Is that what happened? I thought there was a little like a sight gag where somebody like wiped it for her. Maybe and she was like, "Oh, thank you." I I don't I I didn't catch that, but maybe it wasn't in the Disney well, Plus cut. Right before that, there is there is something that uh really bothers me and has bothered me both times I've watched the movie where the revolutionaries show up. Ant Man and Cassie are there. We we jump to uh Michael Douglas holding a bubble thing. And they talk about the quantum realm a little bit. We jump back and Scott Lang's being dragged out into the middle of this big group and Cassie's there and she's like, drink the use. Right. It's really jarring. It's a really weird cut back and forth. They, they The movie feels super clumsy in the way it's trying to get between these two different like plots. Yes. For the first half of the movie or so. Uh, but that one in particular is like, we just saw them together. You need something. Something's got to establish, like, because that's a big moment. Like, the movie is about at the, at the the what the movie is trying to do is be about the relationship between Scott and Cassie. Why not? Why aren't you showing Scott being upset about them dragging Cassie away? Right. <laughs> like, you you need that moment. You you have to have that beat. Yeah. That has to be a reaction. We have to understand what the character went through when he saw that. And then the relief when he's like, oh, Cassie's okay. Like, what is that? <laughs> what happened there? Like, it, it would be one thing if they were like, you know, oh, they both got hit with blow darts. They, yeah. they see, and Paul Rudd passes that. You do the, oh, and like everything gets blurry. And then he, he crashes. And then we go jump back to Michael Douglas and, and friends. And then we go back and then. He's he's groggily waking up and he's like, "What's happening?" There's Cassie. Drink the ooze. What's that about? Like, 
at least connect those in that way if you're not going to do anything with that because it's super distracting yeah. and in both times it has totally thrown me off there are a few and that, points, the movie's yeah. full of stuff with like no there are a few points way. where they do something intense and then cut away to something mundane and that is a common thing in movies where you build the tension and then you cut away to go to the b story and when it's done well it's about like you build us to the tension to where it, and, and it you leave us wanting more of that while we yeah. cut away, but it doesn't feel like jarring in a bad way. It feels like, oh, okay, so that's where that story is. That 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 now now yeah. let's go and find out what's on this story, and then we'll catch up with this one in a little bit. This just felt like we're going to interrupt it to talk about other stuff. Yes, yeah, it's frustrating. I'll also point out, um, in terms of actors in the movie, this is not a Chicago Med thing, um, but. Yeah. I, I was waiting it's, i was yeah. like w- when is it happening it's not not in oh, this movie not even they couldn't I'll even give over, me that i waited over an hour and a half they sir couldn't even give me a gelfus <laughs> in this one no they uh they <laughs> do bring in ruben rasa i believe his name is he's the guy who calls ant-man spider-man at the beginning it's not particularly uh-huh. funny he is in uh i think you should leave a very very funny netflix Ooh. sketch show from tim robinson very specific comedy i'll say Ruben Rasa is the star of maybe the most well-known sketch, which is about a car focus group. It's I think it's extremely funny, and he is extremely funny in it. Uh, Jonathan and I also agree on this, where his appearance in Ant-Man is not so much funny as it is nice to know that somebody involved with that movie wanted to get him and went like, oh, I like that sketch. Let's put him in this. It's more that I'm like, oh, that's sweet that somebody thought of him. Not, sure. oh, he's so funny. is because it's kind of a dumb joke, but he's still, he's still a funny in your t- performer. There. I will say, we actually haven't talked about this, and this is probably the thing that most worked for me, which is the first and last five minutes of the movie. Sure. <laughs> which, is, which is real high praise. Uh, if, if if the middle part of that movie doesn't doesn't work, and we're talking about you know the 10 minutes at the beginning and end, then I think you've yeah. done something wrong. But I like having Scott be kind of like, okay, the fame's kind of gone to his head. There's not really any Avengers anymore. No, you know, like... There is no big deal. We're not we're not too worried about what's going on. He's kind of milking it. He's kind of coasting. He's still kind of being a loser. Um, he's he's really like riding on the end game high. Uh, and you know, Cassie's urging him to do more. I think that's to start with, it's like, okay. Yeah, that's a that's a you've you've told me where those characters are starting. Uh, and you've given me clear points where they could, you know, their relationship could have drama, and they could connect, and eventually we could have an arc. Uh, which is sort of what they try to do, but it never really feels like Scott is making like a bold choice to like save every, like there's no point at which saving uh, everyone conflicts really with Scott. Right. Like also helping the revolution. I mean, he does go into the, and do the, the big like reality storm thing to get the thing. Um, but he doesn't actually make a choice. King just like takes it from him. Yeah. And you know, th- there's not, he tries to fight, but it doesn't really matter. Um, which is the big problem with that is that there's never a, a part where he really like that he he I guess he pushes Cassie into the portal and that maybe that's supposed to be a choice but like uh, I don't know it's not at no point is it like oh man he has an opportunity to get everyone out safe and he doesn't and because of that everyone you know the revolution survives but then something else happens like that that never is on the table so that, that none of that goes anywhere but I like the intro I like that I like him reading from his book. I think that's cute. He, there's there's a kid that winks at him when he winks at the kid. That's that's a fun yeah. bit. Um, 
I don't. I think. I think the coffee shop interaction is it's fun. It's like yeah, oh, it's fun. you know, he 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 gets free coffee when they think he's Spider Man, and then they charge him when they think he's Ant Man. Uh, that's cute. Um, the I like him being like we did. We did defeat Kang, right? What what happened there? Is everything okay? Are we are we going to be okay? I think that's that's good. I like that bit. To me, that appeals to me. I like the idea of them being like, oh yeah, we saved the day. I think probably it's probably fine. Like and you know the through line of him being like, ah, don't worry too much about it. It's probably okay. Um, overall, I like that. I like those two things. It's just, I mean, then we end the movie on him uh, being grossed out by a bad cake. Uh, it's like okay. It's- his reaction's funny. Paul Rudd plays it. Yeah, plays it well. But like nothing of consequence feels like it happened in the middle. I so I like that all that stuff. It's playing that. It's playing uh, some like I don't even remember what the song is, but like both both times during the vignettes, it's playing something cherry pie. Yeah, sure. <laughs> 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 it's some it's some upbeat song. Um, Do we defeat Kang? I, Save my cherry pie. <laughs> I I do want to really quick because I just reminded myself of this talking about the the music. I'm very mad that they don't bring back Christoph Beck's like strong Ant Man theme when the ants are invading. When the ants are invading, it's the most generic, like, da, 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 da. <laughs> I think it's like, just the Marseillaise, yeah. Sure, it's just like... That would be better. That would be better. <laughs> it's just like... And Christoph Beck, I, th- I really like his work on the other two movies. I feel like in this one, they they told him, like, do Star Wars. And he's like, what? That's not... <laughs> it, it feels like we're back to, like, phase one, phase two shenanigans, where... I mean, even if we're we have the same composer, it's like, yeah, but do different themes because the, the music doesn't even matter. Like, it's just for moments, but like, you don't have to develop themes that run through these movies. It and it's it like no, me because people remember the Avengers theme now because you drilled it into yeah. their heads. Ant Man has a fun theme. He has a good theme. Uh, yeah, it's the. I'm probably get it slightly wrong but like it's that sort of vibe and like there's a really funny moment in it in the wasp where he's he's like a three foot tall person because he shrunk slightly or whatever the the gag is and like they're playing like as he's like running through the hallway or whatever and some teacher mistakes him for a kid like that theme has been used a lot and it works really well and they play it in the credits there's a really great rendition of it that's like a big full band like cool you know well stylized version of it why why isn't that like your big triumphant i mean you would have to rearrange it a little bit to make it like fit in the moment but like that that theme is super playful it's tone doesn't matter in this movie just throw it in there whatever it's you would have to make like if you made that you know a really a really full sound and like made that a really like tried to make it more epic then it's still playful enough that it would still work for that moment so I, I, it, like I was waiting for it. I was like, oh, did they ever really use like the theme triumphantly? And I was like, oh, all the ants are showing up. Did, is that a moment? Did I forget that? And then no, it's just like boring, <laughs> dramatic music. It's like, no, do the fun stuff. Go back to the fun stuff. That would be a great, a great beat. <sighs> Ant-Man and the Wasp. Go back to the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. But all that said, B plus. 
Having said that, favorite MCU movie. <laughs> Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. Yeah. Evangeline Lilly. Evangeline Lilly. For her patience. <laughs> um, I mean, if that's what we're measuring it by, honestly, sure. <laughs> Are you guys ready to rate it? Shall we do this? Yeah, I think so. I want Tyler to go last. Alex, what are you doing? I I am in a weird place. After I saw it the first time, I think I probably would have sat around the C minus D plus range. Yeah. Um. And really, when I, when we were talking about it in our group chat, it was like, well, I don't think this is worse than Ant Man and the Wasp. I think it's more just like the whole mindset going into this is just like incorrect. But quality wise, it's probably about the same. And just dissecting it and breaking down every piece, I think it's easy to look at this movie on a very superficial level and be like, yeah, fine, another dumb Marvel movie, whatever. But literally nothing about this movie works. Nothing about it works. And I'm giving it an F. (laughs) Whoa. This is the worst MCU movie. I liked Love and Thunder more than this. Whoa, the first Marvel F from the sequel buddies. I'm giving it a D minus. Um. The movie, it should be said, does look, I think, very bad on a TV screen. Mm. Uh, I think in general compared to the theater. Because, like, in in the theater, you can see, like, there is cool stuff there. Like, sure. the designs are neat. Like, the the effects really, I mean, it's they're just projecting them. So it's not like, you know, they're having to necessarily do as much in terms of, like, rendering them within and making them immersive. Like, I think it does look better overall. Like, I feel like the movie, the theater experience was, like, a better experience for sure. that reason. For this movie, um, I think it really does not fare well when pared down. Um, I should also note that I watched this with my parents and wife, and all of them were asleep halfway through the movie, and then they kind of woke up at the very end. And you were um, all in your cosplay of yeah, you were dressed as Scott, and you dressed your I was wife up as Wasp, dressed as Wasp, and <laughs> I want I want to see your dad dressed up as Kang. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, uh, no, I don't think we need to. I don't think we need to. Yeah, there, there's some down that path. there's some stuff there, uh, but uh, I I do think it's fine. He'll paint his face blue. This it's is fine. Good. It's fine. I um. but so it looked better on a on a movie screen with your big old bucket of popcorn keeping you warm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I was just gonna say that they I think they they all kind kind of woke up by the end of the movie uh and then watched the end credit scene and my dad just did say uh after watching the the council king scene he was like so i guess there's gonna be another ant-man movie <laughs> i was like well <laughs> oh papa you said much you to said, unpack he's like just go back to sleep papa <laughs> rest your eyes oh pretty, no pretty much um with that i am giving the mcu its second f uh I, I gotta land there with you. It's not it's not F minus. Yeah. It's a bad movie. It's wow. I it is just not good. Um, I really thought I was gonna land in the D range. I thought the first time I saw it, I was like, I'm probably if I had to grade it right now, I'd probably say like C minus, which probably means that if I if I let it sit for a bit, it'll slip. It's it's just a mess. Uh but uh, I gave Eternals like an A or whatever, so yeah. my opinion is invalid. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, what is... Because I think I gave Love and Thunder... 
I think we we determined that Love and Thunder was my lowest grade so far, and I was kind of thinking I needed to this this movie. I will say has for the longest time, and I still don't really like Iron Man three, but like there are movies like Iron Man three and Age of Ultron uh, that make me really mad, and that's like usually the MCU has had competence. Uh, yeah, like usually it's like. This movie structurally, it's pretty much there. It's pretty much together. It looks all right. Everything's connecting. There are just plot decisions that I, or like character choices that I really don't like. Um, And I feel like they mess up things about the movie. This movie has had a seesaw effect where I'm like, I was, was for the longest time like, nope, that's like one of my least favorite MC movies. That's down at that bottom three. Like I can't, I can't, you know, get on with it. Uh, and this this movie I think has swung both itself and Love and Thunder <laughs> down to where I'm like, you know what, you know what, <laughs> they are, they 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 are they are down there. I still need to revisit The Incredible Hulk. I think that is a movie that oh, is yeah. like uh, astonishingly astonishingly boring. Uh, <laughs> and I would <laughs> I would be curious to revisit uh, because I I don't I remember thinking that was quite that as well. Um, I feel like even the bad MC movies go down pretty smooth. And I watch this in one yes. sitting, which is saying something for Britain. Because uh, I tend to not do that. But um, it's still... Yeah, it's one of those things where... Uh, the MCU gloss, I think, goes a long way. But it's 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 just gloss. And I do want to reiterate. Because, um, you know, particularly in past episodes, like I, I, I poke fun at Peyton Reed and, you know, whatever. <laughs> Um, you do want to reiterate that you hate him. Yeah, <laughs> you you no, have no, no. sent him threats. <laughs> no, but I, I just I just want to reiterate like none of none of the criticisms from any of us are like personal attacks yeah. on anyone involved with the film. Um, Jonathan Major's allegations notwithstanding, I'm coming for um, David Dasmalshian. But yeah, <laughs> he and I are gonna have. Well, he else. wasn't involved with the film, so I no. Can't. He was the he was the gooey guy who wanted holes. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. But but I feel like particularly because because I, I was getting like more and more frustrated as the episode went along of like oh I this movie is like upsetting me <laughs> like I didn't <laughs> expect that um, but like all my problems are with the movie as a movie yeah like I I have no ill will towards anyone that that made the movie yeah um, we are gonna do Peyton Reed's filmography yeah gonna watch Bring as, It On well, as tribute well I'm, I am actually curious like because he did Yes Man and like uh-huh. he's done just like just like comedy comedies. comedies yeah like. I wonder if that's just where his strengths are and maybe he should just go back to doing that. I don't know. Who knows? Give Evangeline Lilly more to do next time. And don't make Michelle Pfeiffer say those things yeah. ever again. <laughs> I, if I had a nickel for every time a comedy director took on a superhero property and tried to expand their scope in a way that uh, did not really work, uh, I'd have two nickels. It's not a Look, lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. Look, I'm I'm not going to say to everyone that I told you so, but I had huge reservations with both Ragnarok and Ant-Man and the Wasp, and then they just doubled down and oh, made no, it no, worse. No, no, no. referencing uh, Chloe Zhao. <laughs> I, no, it's I'm 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 curious. Did he, Britain? Did you pick up on where I was going? Yeah, with? Todd Phillips. Yeah, yeah. Oh <laughs> no, no, he's a real artist. We can't talk about. <laughs> yeah, Tyler. <laughs> He put both a movie theater marquee and a Charlie Chaplin stock footage in his movie. That's art. I didn't and see that in Love song. and Thunder. Thank you. Uh, I saw Infinity Cones. No, because, like, 
There you go. That's Buster Keaton nonsense. <laughs> He'll never make it in this town. No way. Uh, <laughs> the well, but like, <clears throat> I don't. I wouldn't count Waititi in that because I think like Ragnarok was like an effect movie. <laughs> like it is like something that worked, and obviously a lot of people really responded to. Uh, do you guys think I saw cra- think- I saw cracks in the armor that would get expanded sure. upon later? Sure. That's all that's, I'm saying. But I don't think that's because Love and Thunder was like an increase in scope. I think it's because that was more of a Taika sure. Waititi. I also just want to really quick, and we were seeing that slowly, uh, yeah, make itself apparent. I do just want to say real quick, Joseph, uh, you pull over, buddy. You're getting too angry to drive. <laughs> <laughs> He's white knuckling it down the highway right now. I can't wait for the next time we see Joseph. To, he'll be like, yeah, I didn't like Quantum Mania either, but like B minus. <laughs> now we're going to talk about Ragnarok now. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of talking about movies that I like, um, <laughs> shall we do some recommendations? Anybody got something? Fin- finally, talk about things we like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alex, what have you watched recently that you've liked? Um, not a movie, but I watched the finale of Succession. Mm. Um, I haven't really gone online and seen what the buzz is, if it's either positive or negative. Um, I, I, I would assume it's very positive. Um, it's, it's a very fitting, inevitable kind of ending to the show. Um, I don't know, just everything's, it, it. For me, so much of Succession, it felt like it was just spinning its wheels and like it was great acting and like just like some very interesting scenes and dialogue, but it felt like it was just doing the same thing over and over again. And then you get to the end of the show and it's like, oh yeah, that was kind of the point. <laughs> um, I really, really liked it and I thought it, yeah. it paid off basically everyone um, in a very kind of logical way. Um, it wasn't, It wasn't so much that it was shocking to me. In the same way that there's a, I, I know everyone knows who passes away towards the beginning of season four, um, but there's kind of like a big death that sets off like this domino effect for the rest of the season. And that didn't really shock me either. Um, so a lot of the stuff, it's not like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. I'm going to talk about that at the water cooler tomorrow. It's not like that type of thing, but it's just like, no, it's just very solid storytelling and just they they've got such a good feel for the characters and the choices that they would make and it, like it all just fit. it's like a giant chess game and it just ends brilliantly um yeah i really liked it um i i i would be interested in watching it again um having the ending in mind and seeing just kind of what other things that i may have missed just along the way of like oh how well does this kind of work as like a a mosaic like just looking at the whole thing um but yeah, I really liked it, and I I don't normally watch TV as it premieres, but but this was one where I'm like, yeah, I'm caught up on this. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I gotta get Succession. Back on show. It's pretty good. <laughs> Shocker. Tyler. Uh, I watched the first half hour of Dope Sick. I'm very nice. excited to continue. Uh, the the this. The show seems really good, and I'm excited to continue with it. Um, I've not had time, and I don't know when I will have time, but at some point, I will definitely knock that out. Um, the main reason I bring it up is just to rant a little bit about HBO, uh, because the whole reason <coughs> that I watched uh, uh, Tyler, it's not HBO anymore. Oh, no, we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> the whole reason I, I watched Dope Sick is because I went to go watch 
max uh or i went to go to max so i could watch the leftovers and then i had been signed out and alex and i share an account uh, and britain used to share an account before he became a traitor to the cause yep uh Although I believe that was also initiated for the same reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like basically it was like, Oh, I'm logged out. Um, Britain was like, I have to, I have to uh, submit money to the communal fund for a uh, black Adam too. Exactly. Yes. That's what, yes. that's what it's all for. It's, it's real grassroots from the risk. I, so instead of like figuring out the sign in, cause I had to message Alex and I was like, I don't know when he's going to be, free to message me back i'm i just went and pulled up hulu and i was like there is dope sick i need to watch dope sick uh which it probably was partially uh inspired by i don't know if i mentioned mrs davis finished mm-hmm. i did really enjoy it it was quite that good, yeah. also is probably a, a more solid recommendation considering i've actually watched all of it um that was also very good but wiley in that show yeah uh i now ha- <clears throat> had the extra reference of him being in the show and it was like michael keaton uh Kelly Deaver and uh, now I what what's his name? I think uh, Jake McDorman is Jake McDorman. is uh, um, so I was like, all right, we got three. We, yeah. we got three. I can I can go to and be like, I'm excited to see more of them. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of enough wonderful performances in that show. Yeah, so there you have it. I darn you HBO, darn you HBO, but we miss you and we love you and thank you for teaching us a little bit more about life, love, and second chances. Uh-huh. I am genuinely interested in like the amount of people like in the first week or however long it would be on average before somebody like successfully logs into their account or how many people just give up. Like I could see a whole <laughs> slew of people being like, I'm ending my subscription. I'm not dealing with this. The, the problem is that you have to go sign in to end the subscription. So oh, I suppose that's true. Yeah. At that point, it's like, all right, well, I already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could, could very easily drive down viewership numbers because it's like not. It's not like a big rebrand or like a big a big new service, which is normally how they get their, their sure. numbers. I feel like it's like oh, this is just the same thing, but now it's weirder. No, now it's less clear what's going on. We took away some of the hubs, or we didn't they, sort them that yeah, way. Yeah, they they went from HBO to HBO Max to HBO, or they HBO to HBO Max to to just Max. Yes, and so it's like oh, we've just continued to like devalue like how clear it is what we have. I don't know. Yeah, um, not getting Last of Us to like 2025, so we got some time. I yeah. uh, <laughs> watched a movie to, I finished rewatching a movie that I started like a month ago um, for another retcon mendation oh. where I dis- uh, discussed a movie that has been reviewed on the podcast, but for which I was not present. And this time I watched Captain America Civil War. Um, this is a movie that I, I don't know if I'll be controversial. I know this is a really high up there for both of y'all. Um, not as much for me. I do quite enjoy it. Um, Worse than Quantumania, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I f- just didn't come together. Did not hang together at all. Didn't make any sense. Bad jokes. Uh, I I do quite like it. It is too long because movies are too long. Tor- towards the end, I was like, I get it. Just kill John Slattery. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Um, <laughs> none of this matters to me. <laughs> um, I've said my piece about Bucky, so we know how I feel about him in the movie. Um, I really like the idea of the Sokovia Accords. I have talked on this podcast before about my thinking it's, I don't like the, if superheroes were real angle to criticizing superhero movies, but I like that this movie reacts. Speaking of ideas that came from post 9-11 comics. There you go. Well, I think this movie does a good, a good job of recognizing 
and reacting to things in its own continuity. Um, yeah. Both emotionally for the characters and politically and socially for the world. I wish we had done a little bit more with that, but I still liked what we did with it. Um, I think that the introduction of the new character, of, of like the way they get Spider-Man and Ant-Man and Hawkeye in feels a little clumsy, but those are all still good things. And I think it's a great intro to Spider-Man. Um, I really enjoy Paul Rudd in it. I Hawkeye is there and I like him in it fine. It's a wonderful introduction for T'Challa. That does not feel clumsy at all. That feels very graceful and it's a terrific yes. introduction to that character. Um, which even without the sort of extra pang of seeing Chadwick Boseman again, it's just a really wonderful introduction to a character we all kind of instantly hook into. Um, Daniel Brühl is nice. Um, and it's a movie that I... Hey, people have said like, oh, is it really a Captain America movie? Ultimately, it is more about him and it is more from his perspective. Sure. Um, but I also think that it just really works as a big entertainment. It's it's a lot of fun. The fights are terrific. I think that I'm not as hard on phase whatever we're in as other folks are, but the fights in the MCU have not been on this level since Endgame. Like, it, they just haven't been. With some exceptions in Shang-Chi and Eternals, it just hasn't. Like the f and I think some of that comes down to how physical um, the fights in this movie are. That like the scene where Cap and Bucky are fighting the folks in the stairwell is really fantastic, and that's mm -hmm. stunt work. The fight in the in traffic with T'Challa and Bucky and Cap and Falcon is wonderful, and that's obviously there's digital assist, but it's very physical with stunt driving and everything. That looks terrific. Um, the Avengers fighting in the airport is really great. Um, even if it's going on too long towards the end for me, like the fight with Cat Bucky and Iron Man is good. Like all of the fights are really, really creative. They're not just exciting. They are, there's interesting choreography. It, it feels akin to John Wick. You had a stunt coordinator go, okay, what is an interesting and also like visually interesting and also fun and cool way to get these people to use their abilities to interact with each other in this way and, and using the environment. And it's really fun. Um, Marcus and McFeely wrote it. They are good at writing comedies. They are good at writing jokes. I laughed out loud for a while when Spider-Man is fighting Falcon and he goes, you have the right to remain silent. And he's just like getting walloped. I think that's very funny. Um, Anthony Mackie can do whatever he wants. He's great uh, in terms of acting. He can do whatever he wants. Um, just don't, Anthony, put, put down that cake. <laughs> trying to trying to steal that cake um but it's uh it's just a very solid uh movie that i think because the last mcu rewatches i did were winter soldier and first avenger i was like i want to watch a captain america adventure and this is an adventure with a bunch of people so maybe that was not souring it for me but lowering a little bit i am giving it a b plus it's a very enthusiastic b plus it is a a good time with your Marvel friends, especially if the last Marvel movie you watched was Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. You see this and you're like, yeah, this is, this is, this is what I like. I like, I like this Marvel. One thing that I think is a big point to like, look at compared to Quantumania and like a lot of phase four, which I feel like overall we've been higher on. I know I've been higher mm -hmm. on, the most, yeah. uh, I guess this is technically phase five, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, I believe Quantumania started five. I could be wrong. Um, <clears throat> which makes phase four even like more of a weird conglomeration. Um, there is not 
a lot of MCU movies that really have a gift for pacing the way that uh, Civil War and then also Infinity War and Endgame yes. do. Like, those movies are structured. Yes. I would argue beautifully. Like, I think the way they play out, and I don't know if it comes from, like, the Russo brothers being uh, TV. Sure. You know, having a TV background. I don't know how much of that is the Russos versus the writing with McCory and McFeely. Um, or not McCory. Um, Marcus. Marcus and McFeely. There we go. One of the other M's. Um, like, I, those movies are so tight in the way that they, yeah, introduce the new characters and, like, they flow into the story and the structure all just works. Like, we, we give enough time for Thanos to really shine in Infinity War and we get to know him while balancing all these all these crazy characters. Um, that is something that I think, I don't, maybe it's, maybe it's Matt Shockman. I don't know. The MCU really needs to find like the, the person who can do that, uh, and do that effectively. Um, cause I think that's like, that's the real magic. And I, I feel like if they can't, uh, figure it out for, you know, secret wars or whatever, they should probably just bring it back. I know they haven't done the best work maybe since like, I don't know, maybe just revisit that team and see what they can do because, like, that is something that I think is... I would argue almost none of the Phase 4 movies feel like the right length. Sure. Um, yeah. A lot of them feel short. I don't know if that was, like, studio mandates or just like, oh, we just want to stick to two hours. Um, a lot of them feel like they're missing stuff. A lot of them, <clears throat> on the other hand, feel overlong, like Eternals and Shang-Chi. Like that's something and Wakanda forever I think is, is a little bit long as well. We talked about that. Like that's something that I think is really key for them to figure out and, and have like a director come in who can really nail that. Uh, so that is something that, I, that just occurred to me because quantum mania is not a movie. <laughs> I would put in the, put in the category of, of uh, effectively structured and paced. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I will take the, I, I the, what iner- inherent clunkiness there may be in some of those earlier movies where ultimately you are getting something like, yeah, they are, they are very good. And I, and again, I don't want to be old man yelling at cloud about this. Like I have also been higher on the more recent Marvel movies, generally speaking, yeah. but like when you go back and you watch civil war or something, you're like, Oh yeah, this is what this can be. <laughs> like, let's let, let's let, we have the template right there. So maybe one day. And obviously I hear great things about guardians three. I'll find out. Um, I don't, I don't want to be the person who's like, oh, James Gunn should be in charge of all the superheroes because he's not the only person who can do it right. Yeah. I, but he is very we'll, good at it. We'll have to talk about it with yeah. Guardians 3. Um, I kind of, we've already gone. <laughs> oh, we're longer than the movie. Yeah. We are not well, officially longer than the movie. Um, I do, maybe when we get to Guardians 3 or maybe Shazam 2, uh, want to revisit, uh, <laughs> Alex, you doing okay? Over there, Coming up. Buddy? Oh, Alex, um, he'll be fine. That, I can already see the F. I can I can see it. <laughs> it's in the title. It's like, right there. It's it's like it's like I'm I'm in a submarine and I'm looking through the periscope and like I see the F like Look, just sitting out there in the water and we just have to go to it. Look, the the movie's name is Shazam Fury of the Gods. You have two options. <laughs> I don't think it'll be one of them. Um the, <laughs> uh what I was going to say is the, like, I think healthy competition that should be generated by James Gunn 
making DC competent, I think, is a very good thing. Yeah. And I do hope that is the ultimate outcome is that they have to figure out. Right. And sort of uh, circle the wagons and get things together to make effective movies again. Because I do think they've they've been able to kind of sprawl in this space a little bit. Um, Marvel has been allowed to sprawl. DC being effective will make Marvel more effective. Right, right. But we'll talk about it. Uh, if you want to find out what we think when we talk about that, you can find us online at herecomesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HTTSequels. You can email us at herecomesequels at gmail.com. We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all the podcast apps. Wherever you listen to us, give us uh, a like and a rating. It will help us be uh, bigger like Ant-Man. <laughs> we'll grow. Uh, but we won't pass out and require citrus. <laughs> Does uh, anyone have any orange slices? That's also a good joke. Yeah. I like that. That is a good callback that we we didn't touch on in Quantumania. Where they, she's like, oh, I really want lime. Yeah, she's, yeah. And Cassie gets big. I, I'm, I'm afraid that Quantumania has turned me to, to a darker path. Because for the longest time, Britain and I were joking of like, oh, I'm so much more positive these days on the films we do than Britain is. And I, I feel like this is, has really kind of turned me on. No, admittedly, at the time we were discussing Halloween films. So. <laughs> you had, a, you had a, a long road to recovery from Batman versus Superman. And this may have just, <laughs> just, just you back. It's very true. It's very, it's very true. Yeah. Well, that's okay next week we're doing another movie and i will be uniquely unqualified to talk about it or not we'll see i believe in your ability to watch all three creed movies <sighs> boy i'll see what i can do i've been britain <laughs> well i better get started i've been britain there you go i've been alex <laughs> i've been tyler and you're having a quantum night no <laughs>